back to another episode of Simply Unprofessional. I'm your host, Webby. Joining me today, we got Rob. Hey, everybody. It's me, Rob. And we got special guest guy, Fieri Donnie. It's-a me. Well, now you're Mario. Okay. Rob did a weird accent. I wanted to do one, too. <laughs> I don't think Rob did a weird accent. Uh, Rob has a weird accent. I wanted to have one, too. Okay. I mean, that's better, I guess. All right, so I, I brought you both not... here. What? Anna? What happened? I do not I do not have that nope. nope. Yes, None I love of it. That. Do it the rest of this. No. Nope. <laughs> do not do it the rest of this episode. I'll buy you a pizza if you do it. I will not. <laughs> then we can't have any of the pizza that you earn. No, no. You'll get enough of that soon enough. I will bring Whenever you. we decide to play that game. I will brand you if you do that voice the whole episode. <laughs> But pizza, Webby. A stuffed crust. Poker. A hot poker. Stuffed Rob. crust. <laughs> All hot right. poker. I barely know her. Oh. <laughs> my God. We're already <laughs> off the rails. I love it. Uh, all right. So this week we're going to talk about uh, subclasses. We're gonna we're gonna rank a few subclasses in D and D. Um. We're specifically going to be talking about the Barbarian subclasses. We decided that we were going to start in alphabetical order. Pause. I know you people out there are going to be like, well, what about the Artificer? That starts with an A, asshole. We're yep. starting in alphabetical order according to the PHB. Mainly because I don't know enough about uh, Artificers like at all. Uh to even remotely talk about them. I, I've never played one. I've played with some. I'm not exactly sure what their playstyle is supposed to be. Uh, I should read up a bit more about them, seeing as though I am a DM, but... Eh. I don't know. Uh, I just don't really care for them as a class, I suppose. Uh, so we will be starting with Barbarian. Uh, we are going to... Rank these on an S, A, B, C, D scale. Now, if we put, as we go through these, if we say, say the first one, Path of uh, the Ancestral Guardian, if we put that as a B, and then later on we decide, based off of talking about the other ones, we want to move that around or move other ones around, nothing is set in stone until the end. Um... Purely for the listeners, not not me. Of course, I know the answer to this, but I just for them. What is our criteria for this? Okay, so I I did pull up a couple other. So I googled a bunch of different people who tried to do similar things to what we're doing, just their own personal tier lists. A lot of them were just tier lists of the classes as a whole, which maybe we'll do at the end of all these. Um, 
I did find one that I did I actually liked. Um, shout out to the Dungeon Dudes on YouTube. Uh, their I think we're gonna go with their criteria. So an S rank criteria, it would have game changing features which enhance the base class in a powerful and broadly applicable way. All right. An A tier would have strong benefits which support and in, uh, which would support an important specialization to that character. Uh, they'd be extremely potent and when well played. So obviously any class, you could have the strongest class in the game and if you just don't play it well, it's not going to perform well. Uh, the B tier, decent perks which fill a useful niche. Um would be, I guess, considered S-tier in the right campaign. So I guess these would be very situational type things. Uh, C would be limited features which rarely come up in play. They don't synergize, synergize well with the base class features. Uh, and D, features that are seldom useful. Um, a quote-unquote trap playstyle which weakens the strengths of the base class. We all got that. Mm -hmm. I have it yep. pulled up in case we need a refresher of which one each one represents. You want to share that in Discord? Uh, Do you mind? Or Facebook, whatever. Well, That's, I would like to be able to reference it. It's a YouTube. I'll take a picture of it with my phone and send it in Facebook. Because right. it's a paused YouTube video. Yeah, I've, uh, I've watched several of their videos. I really enjoy the Dungeon Dudes. Uh, also, shout out to... Ooh, I'm going to not get this one correct. Uh, Mr. Rex. Mr. R-H-E-X-X -X on YouTube. Does a lot of lore. D&D um, &D, like lore videos and stuff. A lot of their videos uh, start with what they don't tell you about. And then dot, dot, dot. Uh, okay, let's see. Send you guys this tier list thing here. Tell me if you get this. I sent it to you guys on Facebook. Got it. Rob is currently away from his computer. <clears throat> uh, let's see. So, the first one we will start with is Path of the Ancestral Guardian. Uh, for those of you listening who uh, are interested in going and reading and researching these uh, yourselves, all of the information that I'm going to be reading from, uh, I am pulling off of dndbeyond.com. So... Alright, so the first... Path of the Ancestral Guardian. Uh, the first thing that you get on this path is Ancestral ancestral Protectors. Uh, I will say most all of the subclasses to the classes you open up at level 3. There are a few exceptions. I believe clerics get a lot of their stuff at level 2. Um... So, starting when you choose this path at 3rd level, Spectral Warriors appear when you enter your Rage. While you're raging, the first creature you hit with an attack on your turn becomes the target of the Warriors, which hinder its attacks. 
until the start of your next turn, the target has disadvantage on any attack roll that isn't against you. And when the target hits a creature other than you with an attack, the creature has resistance to the damage dealt by the, that attack. The effect on this target ends early if your rage ends. So, that's Is that every time you attack something, it activates that? Until you're not raging anymore? Uh, until the start of your next turn. While you're raging, the first creature you hit with an attack on your turn uh, becomes the target of your warriors. So, yeah. Uh, you can um, change it from turn to turn, but it's just it always applies to the first one that you attack each turn. Uh, really quick, before we go on with um, Path of the Ancestral Guardian, can I really quick go over what all barbarians get? Because some of our listeners may not, not be familiar as we are with the classes. Sure, we should have probably done. just done an overall class one first <laughs> oh um, no so, that would make us professional <laughs> that's true uh so barbarians as every barbarian like the paths we're going to be talking about are the paths that they can choose but um this is what all barbarians get regardless of the path they choose so they get a d12 for their health points uh, which is the highest of all of the, the classes um, they have proficiency in light, medium armor, and shields, which I don't know why, because they get benefits for not wearing any armor. Uh, they get weapon proficiencies in simple and martial weapons, which is basically all weapons. Uh, their saving throw bonuses are strength and constitution. Uh, and they get to choose two skills from animal handling, athletics, intimidation, nature, perception, and survival. Um, their main ability is Rage, which gives them, when they go into a Rage, they get advantage on Strength checks and Saving Throws. Uh, they can add damage to their attacks, and they have resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Uh, Unarmored Defense gives them their Armor Class equals to 10 plus their Dex plus their Constitution modifier. Um, they can use Shields and still get this benefit. Uh, they have an ability called Reckless Attack, where they can attack with advantage, but then it gives all attacks against them advantage as well. Uh, Danger Sense at level 2. Um, uh, it gives you advantage on saving throws against things that you can see, such as traps and spells. They can't be blinded, deafened, or incapacitated to gain that ability. Uh, third level, they get to choose their primal path, which is what we're talking about. At 4th, 8th, 12th, 16th, and 19th, they get ability score improvements, or they can take feats. At 5th level, they get extra attack, allowing them to attack twice with the same attack action. At 5th level, they also get fast movement, which increases their speed by 10 feet if they aren't wearing armor. Heavy armor. Heavy armor, right, sorry. Feral instinct by 7th level. Your instincts are so honed that you can have advantage on initiative rolls. So basically, they get to have advantage when they roll initiative into battle. Yep. The second part of Feral Instinct is one of the most important parts. Essentially, if you are surprised at the beginning of combat, because a lot of DMs will try to use surprise rounds to get that extra uh, added damage in, you can act normally on your first turn, I believe, as long as you're, you rage first, yep. which is a bonus action. Mm -hmm. uh, brutal critical at ninth level, and um, they get to roll an extra die weapon die damage when they hit a critical hit. 
It, it increases to two at 13th level and three at 17th level. Uh, Relentless Rage at 11th level. They can keep fighting despite Grievous Wounds as they drop to zero hit points. And they don't die outright. They can make a DC Constitution saving throw and remain with one hit point instead of going down. Um, Persistent Rage at 15th level. Their rage is so fierce that it only ends if they fall unconscious or if they choose to end it, end it. So rage works if they are not hit or do not make an attack during their turn. Their rage goes goes away until you get to this 15th level. Yep. Um, at 18th level, they get Indomitable Might. If your total for a strength check is less than your strength score, you can use your score in place of the total. So especially if you have like a 20 or higher, that's really good. Uh, and then at 20th level, they get Primal Champion where their strength and constitution scores increase by 4 to a maximum of 24, which is usually it's capped at 20. That uh, I To this day, I will argue the Barbarian Capstone, level 20 Capstone, is one of the better Capstones. It's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, that's uh, pretty nice. Way better than, say, you know, Monk or Bard. Bard really got the shaft, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Their Capstone sucks. Uh, I think they might do that on purpose for Bard in order to encourage you to multi-class when you're a Bard. Because then you're not really missing out on anything. Where other classes, it's like, oh, should I multi-class? I'm going to miss out at this on level 20. Yeah. But Bard, you're like, fuck that. I'll take the multi-class. Um, another important thing to know with Rage, uh, the you have resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. There is a note to that to, to, to make note of. Uh, you'll see a lot on like creature stat blocks and stuff as as DMs anyway. Uh, it does not specify that they have resistant to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical weapons. So even magical attacks that do slashing, piercing, and bludgeoning damage, they have resistance to as long as they're raging. So some so I, I i just i pointed that out cuz i know some people who build barbarians feel like they they read that and they don't think it's very good because they automatically assume that it means just non-magical attacks so uh so with that being said the ancestral protectors i mean this being the first thing that you get on this path at third level is a very handy tanking uh, uh, ability. I feel because you're I'd essentially say it's an A-tier feature. Yeah, because you're essentially you're forcing something to either attack you, or if it's going to attack somebody else, they have resistance to the damage that's being dealt to them. So they're not maximizing their damage output as the enemy, you know, or as the creature that you're fighting. Um. Spirit Shield, you would get at 6th level. Uh, the Guardian Spirits that you aid that aid you can provide supernatural protection to those you defend. If you are raging and another creature you can see within 30 feet of you takes damage, you can use your reaction to reduce that damage by 2d6. When you reach certain levels in this class, you can reduce the damage by more. Uh, so 3d6 at 10th level, 4d6 at 14th level. Uh... That is using up a reaction, but <clears throat> with the exception of opportunity attacks, 
there's really, I don't believe a lot of things that a barbarian can do with their reaction. So flat out reducing damage to somebody, to an ally within 30 feet of you as the tank is pretty nice. Um, I don't, I, I don't know much about this path. I'm starting to really like this path. Uh, it, especially like if, if if people if you're fighting something very sentient, very intelligent, and they're gonna start going after your ta- your your healers, as long as you stay within thirty feet of your healers, and normally your healers will have stuff that are you know allies within thirty feet of you, you know gain certain bonuses. So especially paladins when they start getting their their auras and stuff up and running, um, I definitely can see this working very well in tandem with other. Uh, class archetypes. Um, at tenth level, you get something called consult the spirits. Uh, you gain the ability to consult with your ancestral spirits. When you do so, you cast the augury or clairvoyance spell without using a spell slot or material components. Rather than creating a spherical sensor. Uh, this use of clairvoyance invisibly summons one of your ancestral spirits to the chosen location. Wisdom is your spellcasting ability for these spells. Uh, after you cast either spell in this way, you can't use this feature again until you finish a short or long rest. Uh, Not my favorite. I think this is probably the weakest ability on this path. Um... Clairvoyance and Augury have their their usefulness, especially out of combat. I, I guess, I mean, when I think Barbarian, I, I, I don't... I mean, it's hard not to think purely combat. When's the last time you put Wisdom Score as a Barbarian? I well, neither of those... It- yeah, like, ne- just because they have anything. to say that. Yeah, they have to say that. They're, neither one of those requires so, a roll. Even if you had a negative wisdom, it wouldn't impact either of those spells. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so to give the, the listeners an idea, they can cast Augury and Clairvoyance. Augury, by casting uh, gem inlaid sticks, rolling dragon bones, laying out ornate cards, or employing some other divination tool... You receive an omen from an otherworldly entity, your DM, about the results of a specific course of action that you plan to take within the next half hour. The DM chooses from the following possible omens. Wheel, for good results. Woe, for bad results. Wheel and woe, for both good and bad results. Or nothing, for results that aren't especially good or bad. The spell doesn't take into account any possible circumstances that might change the outcome, such as the casting of additional spells or the loss or gain of a companion. Uh, clairvoyance, you create an invisible sensor, so in this case it would be uh, uh, you know, an, ancestral, an ancestor of yours, uh, within range to a location familiar to you, a place that you've visited or seen before. Or an obvious location that is unfamiliar to you, such as behind a door, around a corner, or a grove of trees. The sensor remains in place for the duration, lasts for 10 minutes, and it can't be attacked or otherwise interacted with. When you cast the spell, you choose seeing or hearing. You can then use the chosen sense through the sensor as if you were in its space. 
As your action, you can switch between seeing and hearing. A creature that can see the sensor, sensor, such as a creature benefiting from sea invisibility or true sight, sees a luminous, intangible orb about the size of your fist. So essentially, this this gives the barbarian t- the ability to either ask to get a sense of if what they're plan what the party's planning to do within the next half hour is either good or bad or indifferent, or it allows the barbarian to see or hear from a different perspective, essentially being able to spy on people. Now, why I feel like this is the weakest part of this path is the clairvoyance part of it. I don't feel it should ever be the barbarian's job in a party to sneak and, uh, let's say, uh, uh, eavesdrop on people. Uh... The augury spell I see being more beneficial, I suppose, but still, you're able to do it once an hour if you take a short rest, uh, or otherwise once a day, and it's about, you can only ask about something that you're about to do in the next 30 minutes. Uh, Like, if I were playing a barbarian of this path, I would use my augury power if we were discussing about taking a short rest somewhere. And I'd be like, uh, yeah, is this short rest going to be, you know, are we going to be attacked or something? Yeah, <laughs> is it going to be interrupted? Uh, and then if I got, you know, the woe, you know, symbol back, I'd be like, yeah, let's not rest right here. Let's find somewhere else. But that would be your one use of augury. Uh, I mean, I would, I'll say thematically, I think it fits well and I like it a lot thematically. Yes. That being said, it's not my favorite. I, the yeah. first two, I'd say, are solid A's, in would, my opinion. This one this is one, probably a C or a D. A, yeah, I would say a C. Um, I don't think it's useless, and I don't think it necessarily takes away from the Barbarian as a class. Yeah, it's not what they what they call it, a trap playstyle. I wouldn't say it's a trap playstyle. It can only help. Right. Um, but I do feel like it doesn't synergize with what the rest of the Barbarian represents so to speak because honestly like if you were to use it in the way that i described about taking a short rest and you know are we going to get jumped blah 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 as a barbarian i'd be like yeah let's fucking rest let's yeah it's going to be perfectly safe i would lie to my party to their faces be like yeah it's (laughs) we're gonna be great don't worry about it and then i just hold my axe or my hammer the entire time waiting well thematically speaking this is maybe one of my favorite barbarian themes like you're consulting your spirits they're giving you power oh for sure it's cool but yeah that just doesn't seem to fit with what i yeah what my job is as a barbarian and some people don't play that way right so um rob what's your opinion on this on this 10th level one versus the other two that we've talked about um i mean like you said, it, it really does fit the theme of what they're going for with the ancestral spirits, because it's basically like your, your your ghosts are going to gather information for you to warn you about things. Um, the level does also come with a level up of spirit shield, so it's not just the consulting spirits you get at the 10th level. You also, your spirit shield goes up to 4D, or 3d6. But uh, it should, I, in my opinion, that one should be earlier. Like the consult the spirit should be like the first yeah. thing you get, yeah. Instead of the third, 
Yeah, after like as a tenth level, especially that's very disappointing. Yeah. Uh, and finally, for Path of the Ancestral Guardian at fourteenth level, uh, which again your spirit shield would increase finally by forty six, but at fourteenth level you get Vengeful Ancestors. Your ancestral spirit spirits grow powerful enough to retaliate. When you use your spirit shield to reduce the damage of an attack, the attacker takes an amount of force damage equal to the damage that your spirit shield prevented. So, if you're within 30 feet of your cleric, and your cleric gets attacked for 20 damage, and you roll 4d6, and you prevent 20, say, 24 damage, or 6, 12, yeah, 24 damage, uh, then... Not only does your cleric just negate all that damage, but now you're doing that amount of damage back at the attacker. Um, not to mention, th the whole spirit shield thing works really well as as well with the ancestral protectors one. Uh, what's the what's the range limit on that one? doesn't say that there is one. Uh, pretty much it's your melee because you have to hit the person that it's affecting negatively. No. It's kind of, you know, it's like a taunt. No, the, uh, well, that's true. But if they were to move away from you, I feel like this would still take effect. Yes. Uh, so as if they're within 30 feet of you, say, and they're attacking your friends, your ancestral protectors are going to give them resistance to that damage. And then you can use reaction to spirit shield them and reduce that damage even further. And reactions you can do every once around. That's very so, strong. So that is very, very good. Um, it is. Yeah. I don't know. Other than it the gives a class spirits, that like you said earlier, it gives a class that doesn't have a whole lot of uses for their reaction other than an opportunity attack and an actual very useful and strong thing to do. Yeah. Like, to me, that's very good to me. Um, Vengeful Ancestors at 14, I feel, is probably... I mean, that's right up there with... That's an A for me, I think. Uh, I think it's an A if... And I'll ask you this, both of you, because you both DM games I play in. Would that be a source of hate for your Barbarian? If you're getting smacked by a spirit that you know is accompanying the Barbarian, are you going to maybe want to hit the Barbarian because you took that damage? If you're a Barbarian... Well, the thing is, is the Vengeful Ancestor... Yes, so if you if you know that your Barbarian is, say, preventing you from doing damage to the Cleric, who is sitting there keeping everybody alive, and your Barbarian keeps using his re his his reaction to shield the Cleric, and it's doing damage back at you in as force damage, then I would, yeah, I would, depending on what I'm, depending on what I'm throwing at my players as a DM, I would stop trying to fight the cleric and I would just go straight for the barbarian. That makes it a solid A in my book. I mean, the damage is good, but not great, but the, just the, the damage on top of the shield and the potential hate, like, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's the part where it all builds up <laughs> is the fact that it's, you're, it's something that you're already utilizing as a reaction to help an ally and you're getting damage out of it. Like guaranteed, even if it's at that level four whole force damage, it is guaranteed damage. Yep. 
So, I uh, yeah, I think that's a solid A. Uh, I'm actually I, I'm inclined to put the Path of Ancestral Guardians as an A as a whole. Yeah, I almost want to say a high A. If it wasn't for that tenth level, I'd say A plus. Yeah. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I mean, are we are we doing an S tier or no? We do have an S tier. Yep, I sent you a link in the in Facebook chat about the tiers and what they represent as far as what we're gonna try to ba- uh, judge things on. In the Discord chat? No, it's on our Facebook chat. Me and Nani's Facebook chat. Um, And the only reason I'm giving this an A, essentially, and and a lot of these powers an A instead of an S is because they're not... It's not a broad use of the power. It's very... It is very specialized. It is... It it is... um, you know, single target, and it's a very... All of these powers, with the exception of Consult the Spirits, compound on top of each other. And as long as you remember to use your powers, because that's, you know, by the time you get up into the teens, you're forgetting what you have half the time, and you gotta scroll through, but as long as you remember, it is... It, this seems like a very solid Barbarian class, and I, this is coming from somebody who, anytime I've ever played a barbarian, it has always been the same type of barbarian, and I have a I'm, feeling like I might yeah, start <laughs> changing it up uh, just to try things out. Um, if I changed it up, this probably wouldn't be my choice. But if I was making a pure tank, I don't see anything doing a whole lot better than this, except maybe one. But we'll get there. Uh, I would place it actually in S tier because of the Vengeful Ancestors ability. Because a lot of times spellcasters will try to escape and get away from a barb like a, a high tier attacker. But with Vengeful Ancestors, like if so- if a wizard hits somebody with a spell, you can damage them with Spirit Ancestors, no matter how far away they are. You mean Spirit Shield? Yeah. No, Vengeful Ancestors. The, the, yeah, the damage well, is coming. No, the Vengeful Ancestors is when you use your Spirit Shield, so it still has a range of that 30 feet. When a creature you see within 30 feet of you takes damage, oh, only the creature yeah, yeah, yeah. Has to, that uses the shield on has to be within 30 feet. Even yeah, if the yeah, wizard's yeah. like 90 feet from them, it would still be able to damage them. Right. I, I misunderstood what you were saying. Um... I mean, yeah, and, and I mean, that is one of the major downfalls as far as barbarian classes go are people who can't outrun them one way or the other via teleportation magic or just outright faster than them or flying creatures. Uh, depending on what race you are or what, you know, items you have, uh, barbarians do not have a lot of ranged capability most times. Just throw your gnome rogue at them. Yeah. Yeah, that's sneak attack damage right there. (laughs) You guys threw threw a human rogue at a dragon, remember? That is true. We did. Yeah, we actually had one barbarian throw another barbarian, too. Uh, (laughs) Now, again, so I'm going to put Rob as S-Class for this. Uh, again, the only reason I think I'm not putting it S class, I mean, you are, you can only do that, the, the, the forest damage once per round. It does take up your reaction to do so, 
But again, there isn't a whole lot else you can do with your reactions. Um, but you are, it, it is, again, it's very specialized. You are in all one thing, depending on how close you are to your friends, you are protecting an ally and damaging somebody who's attempting to attack them. Uh, so it is, it's, it's a high up there either way. Uh, yeah, so, I'm, I'm sticking with my high right Moving on to Path of the Battle Rager. This is one that I've never really read because of the restriction, and I don't play dwarves very often. Uh, the restriction to the Path of the Battle Rager is, is for dwarves only. Uh, only dwarves can follow the Path of the Battle Rager. The Battle Rager fills a particular niche in dwarven society and culture. Your DM can lift this restriction to better suit the campaign, the restriction, the restriction exists for the Forgotten Realms. It might not apply to your DM setting or your DM's version of the realms. Um, when you first choose this at third level, you get Battle Rager armor. Uh, you gain the ability to use spiked armor uh, as a weapon. Uh, spiked armor, I believe, is specifically made by by dwarves, which is probably why this is a dwarvish restriction. Uh, but while you're wearing spiked armor and you are raging, you can use a bonus action to make one melee weapon attack with your armor spikes against a target within five feet of you. If the target hit, if the attack hits, the spikes do one d4 piercing damage. You use your strength modifier for the attack and damage rolls. Additionally, when you use the attack action to grapple a creature, the target takes three piercing damage if your grapple check succeeds. Uh, I see that I, I see what they were going for here, but I feel like this is probably so far. I mean, this is only the second one we've talked about, but I feel like this is already weaker than the third level Path of the Ancestral Guardian. Uh, ability. It requires you to have specific armor, which you're not guaranteed to have. It does, you know, just choosing this ability or choo choosing this path at third level doesn't give you the armor. It just allows you to use this armor as a weapon. Uh, it is a bonus action to do. Well, I'm asking myself this. Why wouldn't I just dual wield and not have to have a class feature that does less damage than dual wielding would do? Right. And I mean, depending on what feats you took, I mean, dual wielding, you wouldn't be able to add your strength modifier to the damage like you do with this. So this would do a 1d4 piercing plus your strength modifier and damage. So for a potential of 9, whereas say you dual wielded and you had a long sword and a short sword. Your short sword would only do a d6 total. I honestly didn't see the part where the strength was added to damage. I thought it just said attacks. Yeah. Uh, Still not impressed, honestly. Also, I don't know too many barbarians who go around intentionally grappling people. Uh, there are certain classes that are all about grappling people, but... Like my vampire. Yes. Your first spike armor. Um, now, if this... 
if this was reversed and every time you got grappled, it automatically did three points of piercing damage to the person grappling you. I would say that would probably be a little bit more beneficial because there are a lot more monsters that grapple things than there I see players grappling things, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So anytime, you know, a giant picked you up, it would do three points of piercing damage. Not a lot. It's, hey, but that's the giant picking you up. It's It's damage that you don't even have to do anything for, you know. But this is your... Spending your action to grapple something and you do three damage to it and then it becomes grappled. But you could just swing with your weapon and probably do far more damage and kill it much faster. I guess it's very situational. Um, I feel like there are probably grapple builds out there that are decent, but it's... I I think it's very specialized if this is useful. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give this particular uh, feature on this path probably a C. Maybe even a D. I, I really don't like the Battle Rager armor feature. Rob, don't poke holes in your Capri Sun. What? What? what your vampire. True. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, what I, don't get, I think it's a C minus, maybe a D. I'm stuck. What about you, Rob? Right. Yeah, I'm gonna wait to listen to Rob. Uh, I was I read ahead and I don't like any of these. Okay, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so, what would you give Battle Rager armor? Definitely, I'd say I'd say D. D. All right, so we're right on. So we're it's, I feel like we're all right on that cusp of like DC, like. And it's leather. Spiked armor is leather. It's medium armor. It's, yeah. yeah, it's medium armor. 14 plus dex mod. Yeah. Max of 2, so your maximum is 16. So, at 6th level, you gain Reckless Abandon. Uh, when you use Reckless Attack while raging, you also gain temporary hit points equal to your Constitution modifier, a minimum of 1. They vanish if any of them are left when your rage ends. This one, I don't feel is a bad feature um especially if a barbarian is recklessly attacking constantly um now reckless attack if it's going to allow you to attack with advantage but everything gets to attack with advantage on you as well so i also feel like those temporary hit points so even if you have a max constitution modifier of five uh say you know not a max level barbarian uh you're getting five temporary hit points every time you attack recklessly, I feel like those are going to get chewed up just based off of everything that's going to hit you because they have purely have advantage on you. Um, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, it's okay. It's like a, a mini regen almost. For yeah. you whenever you use, if you're going to use reckless attack anyway, it's just a benefit to, to it. So right. it's not terrible. It's not super great. I think at the level that you get it is pretty decent, but it's going to quickly lose usefulness the yeah. higher you go. Yep. Uh, so I'm also going to give that one probably a C. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that one's probably more useful than the Battle Rager armor. So 
It's like a mid-tier C, not a low C. I like C. what they tried to do with for, this, but I'm just not liking the implementation. Yeah, for, like, I would have given it a B for the level it's at, but as like as you said, as you get up, it's not going to be worth anything. Yeah, it so doesn't, I, I it doesn't hold its weight later on. So... <laughs> And then we have Battle Rager Charge. Beginning at 10th level, you can take the dash action as a bonus action while you are raging. So this is essentially giving you something that a rogue gets at level 2. Yeah, as a 10th level. Instead. (laughs) Yeah, as a 10th level and only while you're raging. For what it does, it's good, but as a level 10 ability, I don't like it. Like it lets you close the gap, which as a barbarian, that's always going to be useful. But yeah, yeah, like you said. But again, and then using it, well, doesn't even let you use your spiked armor because it takes the bonus action to do. So then right. you can't use your your what your whole class is built oh, around. Oh wow! Yeah, unless <laughs> this wasn't very well put. Together. Unless the whole premise behind this is if you're that far away, you use your movement speed, you use your bonus action to dash, you close the gap, grapple, then you use your action to grapple them, and you get that free three damage, and then they're they're essentially restrained. They either have to spend their action breaking the grapple, or they can't move from you. And then on subsequent turns, you can start using your actions to, you know, either hold them there so your party can beat the shit out of them, or let them go and start beating the shit out of them. And then if they run away, you have your opportunity attack. You know, if you gave... I could see this being semi-viable if you had the... Uh, what is it, sentinel feet. So if they did try to run away, you could stop them in their tracks, then they couldn't get away from you. But I just, I feel like, I don't know, something that you would get at 10th level that another class gets at 2nd level. And it's not even just an archetype of that class. Like, all rogues get, you know, cunning action at 2nd level. Um, I feel like this Battle Rager charge should have been... And it's only a third of what you get from cunning action. (laughs) Right. And you have to be raging when you do it, so... It's not like you can't even close. So this isn't even like a round one thing you do. No, that's two rounds of not using your third level or your sixth level ability. Yeah, because uh, rage takes a bonus action. Rage takes a bonus action too, so you'd have to enter your rage before you can even use battle rage or charge. So round three, you can use your battle rage armored thing. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't um, like this at all. Fourteenth level spiked retribution. Let's see if they you know. Let's see if they bring it back here. When a creature within five feet of you hits you with a melee attack, the attacker takes three piercing damage. Uh, if you are raging, aren't incapacitated, and are wearing spiked armor. Again, this should have just been built into the battle rager armor. At the for, at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. this should have just been part of your three level three. piercing. And only to melee attackers. It's yes. like uh... this. I feel like you could give all of this stuff to a level six, and it's not gonna. It's still gonna be an average class. I literally think spiked retribution should just be part of spiked armor. It should be what spiked armor does passively. If something attacks mm-hmm. you in melee, it just does a flat number piercing damage back. It's okay. You want to take the time to try to attack me? You have to try to. You know, try maneuver around these spikes on my armor, and when you do, you take three piercing damage. It's not a lot of piercing damage. When you're thrown up against dragons, you know, later on in the game, at, you know, level 14 or whatever, and a dragon swipes down at you and hits you for, say, 
I don't know, 32 fucking pierce, <laughs> slashing damage with a claw attack, and then you do three piercing damage back because it decided to attack you, that's fucking useless. That's just not, a, that's not enough damage for that level. No. And yeah, I get it. It's free damage, and it's, you know, action Auto economy. I, it does not matter. This should have just been built into the spiked armor, and they should have utilized something else for the 14th level feature. And 10th. Yeah, and tenth. I mean, and, I, and beefed up the sixth. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, all around. I think this the path of the battle rager. I'm giving probably a D overall. Yeah, I'm not. Um, a, I'm not a fan. I don't think it's going to be helpful to any barbarian. Uh, if you stick, if your DM sticks with the restrictions to dwarves, it's even worse because now you're you're being stuck with if you're not a fan of what the dwarf racials are you're getting stuck with being a dwarf if you that really also like, hurts if you if level. you happen to like this battle rager thing um dwarves only have a 25 movement so your dash is worth even less that you get at level 10 yep uh so are we are we are we in agreement with the battle rager gets a d all around mm-hmm. yep yeah. All right. There's, yeah, there's no circumstance I would ever want to play one of these. Uh, Path of the Beast. Uh, you get to roll for an origin if you wish. Um, you roll a d4, the different origins. Um, one of the one of your parents was a lycanthrope, and you've inherited some of their curse. You are descended from an archdruid and inherited the ability to partially change shape. A fae spirit gifted you with the ability to adopt different bestial aspects, or an ancient animal spirit dwells within you, allowing you to walk at this path. Uh, at third level, Path of the Beast, you get Form of the Beast. When you enter your rage, you can transform, revealing the bestial power within you. Until the rage ends, you manifest a natural weapon. It counts as a simple melee weapon for you, and you add your strength modifier to the attack and damage rolls when you attack with it as normal. You choose the weapon's form each time you rage, so you're not you're not restricted to just one of these forms all the time. Every time you go into a rage, you can choose which form you want. You either get a bite, your mouth transforms into a bestial muzzle, or great mandibles, your choice. Uh, it deals 1d8 piercing damage on a hit uh, once on each of your turns. When you damage a creature with this bite, you regain a number of hit points equal to your proficiency bonus, provided that you have less than half your hit points when you hit. So if you're below half your hit points, it's, it's, a, it's a heal every time you bite. Um, claws. Each of your hands transfor- transforms into a claw, which you can use as weapons if it's empty, so you can't be holding a weapon deals 1d6 slashing damage on a hit once on each of your turns when you attack with a claw using your attack action you can make one additional claw attack as part of the same action so this essentially allows you to have an extra attack at third level instead of fifth now would that give you three when you get your classes extra attack since this is not technically extra attack yes i would think so um Now, it doesn't say as a bonus action, either. No, it just says one additional claw attack as part of the same action. So if you got... So if you were 5th level, level, you would use your attack, you'd attack twice, and then you'd use your second attack and attack twice again? 
No, I think you would only attack three times because when you use the attack action, oh, and then that's true. Yeah, bonus right. attack yeah. says you can you can make yeah. another attack action, and this says you can make one additional claw attack as part the of the same action. action. Yeah. So it would be three instead of two. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty decent. Uh, and then lastly, tail. You grow a lashing spiny tail, which does one d eight piercing damage on a hit, um, and has the reach property. If a creature you can see within ten feet of you hits you with an attack roll, you can use your reaction to swipe your tail and roll a d eight, applying a bonus to your AC equal to the number rolled, potentially causing the attack to miss. Uh, I think the tail one's actually really dope. Uh, yeah. It not only does it have reach, but you're able to add to your AC um, as a reaction. So again, that's giving you that's giving you something to do with your reaction other than just opportunity attacks. Um, it's essentially like a, sh- a potential shield uh, for that yeah. one attack. Uh, I think that's a pretty solid opening for a third level path feature. Uh, especially since it's it's multiple options, you get to choose. So when you decide to go into your rage based off of what the fight is looking like, you can choose, you know, accordingly whichever one's going to best suit the fight that you're in. Uh, like if you're fighting a massive horde of very small little goblins, uh, maybe you'll want claws so you can do that one extra attack. Uh, swipe against a different goblin, or if you're fighting a boss fight, maybe you'll want the tail or the bite to try to get more health back. Um, I'm going to probably give that one... Uh, uh, I'm on the cusp of A and B for, for, for this third level one. I think at third level, it's Pretty strong. What about you, Rob? Um, yeah, I definitely an A at least. All right, Donnie, are you going with A? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna say A too. All right, you guys have convinced me. I'll switch to an A. I was, I was thinking on, B I was at right first, on that but... cusp. Yeah, I mean, I would have given it a B if it was, like, only one of these things, but the fact that you can choose between them each time, like, change it up depending on what you need. Right. It's pretty impressive. Uh, also, Matilda's jumping out the door. Don't know if you want to do anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sixth level, you get Bestial Soul. Uh, the feral, feral power within you increases, causing the natural weapons of your form of the beast to count as magical for the purposes of overcoming resistances and immunities to non-magical attacks and damage. Uh, you can also alter your form to help you adapt with your surroundings. When you finish a short or long rest, choose one of the following benefits, which lasts until you finish your next short or long rest. So, essentially, when you wake up in the morning, you can choose one of these benefits. Uh, You get climbing. You gain a climbing speed equal to your walking speed. And you can climb difficult surfaces, including upside down on ceilings, without needing to make an ability check. So, essentially, you get spider climb. Uh, Jumping. When you jump, you can make a strength athletics check to extend your jump by a number of feet equal to the check's total. Uh, You can make this special check only once per turn. 
Uh, and then swimming, you gain a swim speed equal to your walking speed, and you can breathe underwater. Again, I think these are very situational and very, mm-hmm. very beneficial, along with making your attacks in your first bestial forms at level 3 now magical uh, to overcome that that stat uh, that I mentioned earlier that a lot of monsters have where they have resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Uh, so now you're going right around that because your attacks are now magical and you gain these benefits on a short or long rest. I think this is, again, another solid A to B. Uh, and I think I'm going to even lean with the fact that because it's on a short rest that you can change these up on, and how adaptive you can become with them, I'm probably going to give it an A. Um, you know, essentially, if you come across, like, even roleplay-wise, if you come across, oh, you're on this sheer cliff face, and you need to get up somewhere, give your barbarian the length of rope, give him an hour to change into, you know, having climbing, and then he just scales the side of this wall like no problem, and then he'll just lower down the rope and tie it off and everybody can climb up. You know? Um, being able to breathe underwater is phenomenal. You know, if you're if a barbarian is ever stuck underwater, you know, or if you know you're going to be going underwater, that saves a spell slot from, say, the wizard or whoever can cast, you know, breathe underwater or water breathing. So... Hmm. I'm giving this a solid A to B. I'm thinking B, because yes, all of the outside of the magical weapon part, all the other things are very good when they come up. So that that that's they how I try to approach looking. I will say they are. They're very situational. situational, but in those situations, they're S tier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. but then you add on top of that the magic, like for overcoming resistances and all that like see i would have given this a b if it was whenever you finish a long rest you choose one of these to have for the day yeah but since you can choose you can change them out on a short or long rest that's the only reason why i'm giving it an a well yeah and i'm assuming that you have availability to the one you need in the moment when it comes up i just think that these situations are pretty rare yeah I mean that that I would probably put it at a B minus, maybe a C. But then if you add on top that it's making your attacks now magical, which is very good to me. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking a B, a high B. All right. So you're on a high B. What about you, Rob? Eh, it's hard. Hmm. I would probably go with A again. Simply because I know how useful it is to be able to walk around on walls and ceilings. Uh, you say that, but it's because of you that I've I have started but, trapping ceilings. Yes, but most other DMs would not think of it. So sure. <laughs> you only thought of it because I bring it up all the time about walking down yep. the ceiling. <laughs> so we're that's all not meta gaming. We're all split. <laughs> uh, the DM's allowed to meta game. That's his job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we're all we're all very split. Donnie said B, you said A, and I'm right on the cusp of A and B. Uh, so, I could be swayed to an A, but no, we we'll don't have to sway you. We'll we'll decide where where it. I'm just saying, is. I'm that close. I'm I'm teetering. 
Uh, let's see what their 10th level gives you. Infectious Fury. When you hit a creature with your natural weapons while you are raging, the beast within you can curse your target with Rabid Fury. The target must succeed on a Wisdom saving throw. DC equals 8 plus your Constitution modifier plus your Proficiency bonus. Or suffer one of the following effects of your choice. The target must use its reaction to make a melee attack against another creature of your choice that it can see. Or the target takes 2d12 psychic damage. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. And you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Whew. I like it. I I really like it. Uh, I like the fact that the... The DC is based off of your Constitution modifier, which a lot of barbarians are going to dump a lot of points into Constitution. Um, the number of times you're able to do it increases with your proficiency bonus, not a not a specific modifier. Uh, so it it increases the number of times you can use it as you level up. Two uh, D twelve psychic damage. Psychic damage is very limited as to what is resistant to it. But also the ability to force somebody to use a reaction to make a melee attack against another creature. If if you're surrounded by people and they have creatures on their side around them. So good. You can force their reaction for them to make an attack against one of their allies. Which then, if you decide you want to move away, they don't have the reaction to take the opportunity attack against you anymore. So this isn't even considered a charm effect either, is it? No. I like it that much more. Nope. This is a this is a curse essentially. You're, you're just you're cursing them with a rabid fury. Um, this might be the first ability I say as an S rank, forcing them to attack an ally by itself. I will say forcing and forcing somebody to use some of their action economy without their wanting to, like like against their will, is very very useful. Um, I don't necessarily know that I would say that it's game changing. I'm I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go straight A on this. One. I'm just gonna go A. Me personally, Donnie, you're giving this an S rank. Yes. All right, Rob. What about you? Uh, I'm also gonna go A simply because the it has to be. A, specifically a melee attack and it doesn't include any kind of movement in the ability so if the if it's the only creature that's in melee with you or your other enemies are on the other side flanking you you can't you can only use the psychic damage side because otherwise it, they wouldn't be able to right and that i mean while 2d12 psychic is is useful it's not as useful as the other ability so i, w- I would say a. situationally depending on what you're fighting if you ever had a giant of any kind on the field, like a hill giant, I would target a hill giant with this thing every time. nine times out of ten. Well, that's they, my they're, thought. Is they're going to have, in the middle of the shit, too. They are going so to have usually... a low wisdom, and most hill giants have a reach of 10 to 15 feet, depending. So, I mean... That, yeah, that I'm going to go back down to an A. So, all right, so we're all at an A. I'm going to say A with one caveat that barbarians do tend to be in the middle of crowds. Yeah. Which is why I was considering this, but I think it's situational enough that the A, I think it's A. All right. And then finally at their 14th level, they get Call the Hunt. 
The beast within you grows so powerful that you can spread its ferocity to others and gain resilience from them joining your hunt. When you enter your rage, you can choose a number of other willing creatures you can see within 30 feet of you, equal to your constitution modifier. You gain 5 temporary hit points for each creature that accepts this feature. Until the rage ends, the chosen creatures can use each of the following benefits or each of the following benefit once on each of their turns. When the creature hits a target with an attack roll and deals damage to it, the creature can roll a d6 and gain a bonus to the damage equal to the number rolled. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So essentially... Let me reread part of that. That didn't make sense to me. Uh... Oh, okay, so once on each of their turns, whenever they hit a target with an attack roll that deals damage, they can roll a d6 and gain a bonus to the damage equal to the number rolled. So it's just adding an additional d6 to any type of damage attack roll that they make. Um, and you gain five temporary hit points for each one that accepts this. I don't know who in your party would not accept this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, within, within 30 feet, the only people that wouldn't be your range that want to stay extreme ranged. So this is all, this is up to your constitution modifier. So again, pre-level 20, you're, you're assuming say your barbarian has 20 constitution. Um, so you can cast this on, to, you can ask five other people to essentially join your hunt. So you'll gain 25 temporary hit points. And those when you five enter other, rage, right? Yeah, it's when you enter a rage. Uh, and those five other people gain an additional D6 damage die to any attack roll they make. And that's doesn't say melee. It could be ranged. It could be a spell attack. So it just wouldn't be like uh, like things like fireball. Because those are that, those are saves. So anything that requires an attack roll, you gain a d6. That's just free damage on on a high scale. Uh, man, the bigger your party, the better it is. Essentially, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm gonna give again. I'm on. I, I think again. I'm on the cusp of A to B on this one. Same. I don't think it's the best feature in this class, but it is super useful. Uh, hardly ever will you be going into a fight where your barbarian doesn't rage. And if the party knows to clump up around the barbarian for when he does rage, uh, and everybody will get this benefit, then it's, it's only pluses for everybody. Um, yeah, a single D6 by itself, I wouldn't say it's great, but considering everybody that gets it up yeah, to five, it's going to add up. Yeah. Um, technically up to seven if you if you're a higher level campaign <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent uh you know or or if you get there are certain items like there's those the tomes that you can read that increase your constitution scores or, yeah. or ability scores in general uh by two so yeah i mean yeah i'm on the cusp of a to b but i'm, I'm leaning towards a on this one too I, th- I think this this class as a whole i'm gonna give an a yeah. to what about you, Rob. Donnie? Oh. I want to hear Rob first. I can't pick. Um, 
I mean, this one's pretty straightforward. Like, it does depend on how many people you have with you. So, like, a smaller party isn't going to be as beneficial as it would be for a larger party. For you, anyway. Like, everyone still gets the extra D6. But um, I'll go with A. Okay, so what are you giving uh, the classes overall? I think I think I gave it an A and everything, oh, so I have to right. go with A. <laughs> all right, what about you, Donnie? Are you, you going to go with us and give it an A? I'm thinking A. Maybe you can help me make my final choice here. I, the only reason I doubt the A is if you are in a smaller party. Like, um, by the time you're level 14, 20 10 pin points, great. That's great. That's going to reduce whatever damage you take on that first hit by 20. Then it's a smaller party. A D6 isn't much at 14. No, but it's still free damage. Free damage is free damage, but is a level 14 thing? I'm going to go with an A-, minus. I guess. I, I think it is A. I think it is A-worthy because most of your parties are going to be more than, you know, just a couple people. Now, I will say, personally, I feel like this is this is overall a better path than even the Ancestral Guardian one. No, guys, eh, I'm not gonna move. I'm not gonna move the ancestral guardian one at all either. On my I think scale. this is A think, also. I, I think this. Yeah, I think they're both gonna be A's in my book. It's different roles. Exactly. I all really right. like the ability to make creatures attack. Any kind of battlefield control that you didn't have previously, I think, is great. All right, so we gave Path of the Beast an A. Moving on to Path of the Berserker, which is one of the one of the OG paths. Uh, starting when you get frenzy, starting when you choose this path at third level, you can go into a frenzy when you rage. If you do so for the duration of your rage, you can make a single melee weapon attack as a bonus action on each of your turns after this one. When your rage ends, you suffer one level of exhaustion. So essentially, as a bonus action, every turn you can make a melee attack. <clears throat> So at fifth level, this would give you a max of three attacks. Yeah, and these are full on attacks. You don't have to worry about the yep. offhand ben nope. not benefits, offhand bad stuff. Nope. Uh, the downside is, is after your rage ends, you get that level of exhaustion. Rage lasts for one minute. Yep. Ten rounds. Combat's usually over. Most of the time. Yep. We gotta try to factor in multiple rages per day, potentially. Yeah. You only lose one level exhaustion per rest. Yeah. Plus, if you're fighting in any other areas that are giving you exhaustion, like extreme cold or extreme heat. I mean, this is a. I, I feel like. I, if I remember correctly, I do like Path of the Berserker, but you can potentially. It can get it can, it can get dicey as far as the exhaustion goes. If I played this, I would probably try to limit myself to one frenzy a day and try to have that be the most important combat. Yeah. So for that reason, I'm gonna probably say this is a B. Now keep in mind, if you have a cleric in your party, I don't remember if it's lesser or greater. If it's lesser, that's even better. That's only a level two spell slot. But one of the restorations remove can remove exhaustion from you as well. But that is essentially. I want to say it's an A. <laughs> I, I am. I am going to say that that's essentially a cleric casting a spell slot to remove an exhaustion point uh, when they could be utilizing it to do other things. But uh, I, I, I think it's great for a third level. You know, you get limited number of rages anyway at that level. 
Um, you're generally not going to be going into back-to-back -back fights at level 3. So to be able to have two attacks around, this, you're really going to be pumping out some damage as a Barbarian. Yes. Like, you're going to be as good a damager as anybody, if not better. Like yeah. You will keep up with fighters, if not surpass them at level 5. Uh, so I will say, for me... I'm going to give this an A. Donnie? I'm going to say A. I, I was going to say B begrudgingly, but... Yeah, I mean, even once it, one, even one combat per day having that extra attack is huge. Yeah. Rob? Uh... Yeah, I think I'll go A too. I was gonna go B just because, at like you said, at higher levels though, you're if you're entering multiple combats a day, you're gonna get exhausted quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. But at the level you get it at, it's pretty good. Uh, beginning at level six, you get mindless rage. During mindless rage, you can't be charmed or frightened while raging. If you are charmed or frightened when you enter your rage, the effect is suspended for the duration of the rage. This is fucking huge. Especially for a melee class. You cannot be charmed, so no one can force you to fight your allies. You cannot be frightened, so you can always advance on your target. Yeah. This is a, a solid... I don't even care if it's 6th level. This is solid. While you're raging, just outright immunity to charm and fear. <clears throat> um, I, I'm i on the cusp of A to S, but I'm leaning towards A on this one, still. Personally, I don't think it's S. I think it's very good, so I will say A. Okay. Uh, Rob, what about uh, you? I would go with A as well. The only reason I wouldn't put it in S is because it, if I if it was, I would put it in S if it erased any kind of charm effect, but it's only suspended. <clears throat> True, but be mindful that if during that one minute, which is ten combat rounds, you kill the person who did charm you, then the charm effect would end anyway, I believe. Mm. So you're essentially buying yourself 10 rounds of not being charmed by this thing. Um, but yeah, so I mean, uh, I'll, you guys will talk me down to an A. I mean, I was, right, again, right on the cusp. I mean, I could see why you went S, but just I'm looking for a little bit more for my S ranking. The, the only Just, reason, like, again, the only reason I was on the cusp of S is as a DM, when a player gains an immunity to anything, yeah, yeah. that's, that's big. Um, oh yeah. So being immune to two different, essentially CC effects, uh, is huge in my opinion. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Intimidating yeah. presence at level 10. You can use your action to frighten someone with your menacing presence. When you do so, choose one creature that you can see within 30 feet of you. If the creature can see or hear you, it must succeed on a wisdom saving throw. 
equal uh, DC is equal to eight plus your proficiency bonus plus your charisma modifier, or be frightened until the end of your next turn. On subsequent turns, you can use your action to extend the duration of this effect on the frightened creature. Until the end of your next turn, this effect ends if the creature ends its turn out of line of sight or more than 60 feet away from you. If the creature succeeds on its saving throw, you can't use this feature on that creature again for 24 hours. I think this is probably the weakest part of the Berserker. Um, I don't know too, too many barbarians who build into charisma so the dc save is probably going to be pretty low uh and you're frightening something so it can't come towards you and it has disadvantage on attacks against you but your whole thing is you want to be moving towards it which that won't stop you from moving towards it but it's an action to do and you can only do it to one thing within 30 feet of you yeah, this is another one where it should have been the first thing you get rather than the third. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give this one probably a C. I don't like I don't like Intimidating Presence on a Berserker Barbarian. I don't think it fits the the build that the rest of the build is, is, is trying to go for. Yeah, mechanically, I don't think it fits at all. Again, thematically, yeah, you see, you know, a big ass barbarian going ape shit. Yeah, it might be a little intimidating, but mechanically, I don't think this fits I, at all. I think it's would be more useful out of combat to get like get by guards or some such thing. Yeah. Like it's not really in combat useful, really. But yeah. out of combat, you could have uses. So I will also. Use if it. they if they wanted to make it a combat ability or feature for this class for this class it should have been like more of like a shout like a barbarian shout from diablo where it affects all creatures that can see and hear you within the 30 feet okay um then i could see it being far more beneficial at least combat wise um but yeah and uh, with the exception with the, with the fact that it's, it's only targeting one thing and it's an action to do it, and the DC is most likely going to be pretty low. I'm giving this a, s- a C. I almost want to say D. I don't think like, it's useless. It's a bad save. I don't understand why charisma is involved in that. I mean, I do, but I don't. You're using your action and potentially sending them running from you. As a barbarian, I want you coming to me. But because the frightened condition is useful, that's the only saving grace I feel here. Well, I, I also like the reason I'm not giving it a D is like what Rob said. It 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 does have out of combat usefulness, like getting past guards or intimidating, you know, certain people within towns or something like that. Um, For a level ten thing, I would rather just use my intimidation role. Yeah, I definitely don't think it should be level ten, but I don't think it's essentially. I don't think it's taking away from. The class, it's just not adding anything in my in my. Opinion. I think that's where we see it differently. I feel like it is taken away because when you use your action to do this, you could be doing more useful things. Unless you're outside of combat, which is why I'm saying C instead of D. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, it's one of them I just don't think fits with what the class does. What about you, Rob? I already said. We all said C. Oh, we all said C. All right. 
lastly, you get retaliation and starting at 14th level when you take damage from a creature that is within 5 feet of you, you can use your reaction to make a melee weapon attack against that creature. This is essentially giving you a potential 4 attacks in a round. I like it. In addition with the Barbarian having an increased critical hit range uh, and, yeah. and and things like that, I, I think, uh, and when you do crit, you, use, you roll more dice. Uh, I think the more hits, the better. Uh, and again, this gives them something to use their reaction for um, other than just an opportunity attack. Um, I think this is a solid... Solid A. It's a free yeah. attack, essentially. This Rob? is the best damaging class so far, or subclass, I feel. Uh, yep. I, I would say an A. Um, barbarians are always taking damage, so... Donnie, you agree with the A? Yeah, I'm gonna say A. Alright. Uh... So what I have written down here is we have pretty much all A's except for the Intimidating Presence. We all gave it a C. Um, I feel like that's going to just... To me, that's just going to bring it down. It's still going to be either a low A or a high B class Barbarian Path. Um, like you said, Donnie, straight up damage-wise, this is so far the biggest damage path that we've seen so far. Um, Off the top of my head, it might be the biggest I can think of, of straight damage. I mean, maybe, maybe. There's one more that I think might, might fit, uh, or might compete. Um, so what would you say, what would you guys say, A? Yeah. Overall? Yeah. All right. So what was this, Berserker? It's definitely it's definitely top of what it's supposed to do. This is definitely not the tanking barbarian. This is your DPS barbarian. This is the barbarian that's going to run in there and just try to mop the floor with anything that's breathing um, before it gets killed. Um, moving on, we have Path of the Storm Herald. Uh, so starting at level 3, you get something called Storm Aura. Now, this is one that I'm not super familiar with. Uh, starting at third level, you emanate a stormy magical aura while you rage. The aura extends 10 feet from you in every direction, but not through total cover. Your aura has an effect that activates when you enter your rage, and you can activate the effect again on each of your turns as a bonus action. Choose desert, sea, or tundra. Your aura's, effects, your aura's effect depends... On the chosen environment, as detailed below, you can change your environment choice whenever you gain a level in this class. So it's you, this is not an option that you get every time you rage. You have to choose one, and then when you level up, you can change the choice. Uh, if your aura affects, if your aura's effect requires a saving throw, the DC equals eight plus your proficiency bonus plus your Constitution modifier. So that's a plus. Uh, desert. When this effect is activated, all other creatures in your aura take two fire damage each. The damage increases when you reach certain levels in this class, increasing to three at fifth level, four at tenth level, five at fifteenth level, and six at twentieth level. That's just straight up fire damage. No, no save or anything. Uh, 
you're muted. Sorry, that's because I have the door open for the dog. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is that it's all other creatures, which includes your allies. So Yes, yep. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, that is going to be an oncoming theme with this with this build, maybe. Um, the C, when this effect is activated, you can choose one other creature you can see in your aura. The target must make a dexterity saving throw. The target takes 1d6 lightning damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful save. The damage increases when you reach certain levels in the class. 2d6 at 10th, 3d6 at 15th, 4d6 at 20th. Um, Tundra, which is the last one. When this effect is activated, each creature of your choice in your aura gains two temporary hit points as icy spirits inure it to suffering. The temporary hit points increase when you reach certain levels in the class, uh, increasing to 3 at 5th, uh, 4 at 10th, 5 at 15th, and 6 at 20th. So... At low levels, I think all of these auras are are fine. Uh, as you increase in level, I think the Tundra, you're going to run into that same problem we had with that other path where the sheer lack of temporary HP is going to become a moot point. You know, at 20th level, giving each creature of your choice 6 temp HP... That's not that's that's gonna be part of one hit from Yeah, something. and it's extra bookkeeping for that. <laughs> like right. I'm not a fan uh, of that one. I'm actually not a fan of this one overall. Also the desert, like Rob said, it affects all other creatures in your aura. Uh and again, twentieth level, you're only doing six fire damage. Yes, it's flat fire damage. A lot of things in D D are resistant to fire, if not immune. Fire is probably one of the most common resistance. You're muted. The C one, I think, is the most useful, obviously. But, uh, again, all of these only go off when you rage. So it's only once, basically once per combat. They're not. Well, no, it says that you can you can do it on each of your turns afterwards while you're raging as a bonus action. I believe. Unless that was, yeah. Oh yeah, it does. I didn't read that point. Sorry. So, okay. So I do feel like the C one overall would be the most beneficial long term. Um, again, you're essentially, you know, for two tenths of your leveling process because it's really the all three of them are pretty effective really early game. Um, the C one is really the only one that stays effective throughout especially as a bonus action and but the only problem with that is that's a save uh it's a deck save that's not one of my favorite saves to go after right especially Um, at higher levels but uh let's see at sixth level you gain storm soul the storm giants you benefit uh the storm grants you benefits even when your aura isn't active the benefits are based on the environment you chose for your storm aura so even if you're not raging if you chose desert you gain resistance to fire damage you don't suffer the effects of extreme heat as described in the dungeon master's guide hence no more exhaustion and stuff from things like that 
Moreover, as an action, you can touch a flammable object that isn't being worn or carried by anyone else and set it on fire. Uh, C. You gain resistance to lightning damage. You can breathe underwater. You also gain a swimming speed of 30 feet. And finally, Tundra. You gain resistance to cold damage. You don't suffer the effects of extreme cold, as described in the DMG. Moreover, as an action, you can touch water and turn a five-foot cube of it into ice, which melts after one minute. This action fails if a creature is inside the cube. Again, I feel like probably the C is going to be the most beneficial one here. Um, un unless you are campaigning in a desert setting or a tundra setting, obviously. Um, but gaining resistance to a lightning damage, yeah, it's no, not the most common damage. You're gaining the ability to breathe underwater all the time, and you gain a swim speed. Uh, so you're flat out gaining three very beneficial things overall. Uh, I don't know. Right now, I'm, uh, I think both of these are probably C's for me. Same. <sighs> Where are you at so far, Rob? You're muted. <laughs> I, all I hear is the sigh coming from his room. <laughs> I was paying attention for the son of a bitch. I uh, I don't know. I mean, they're very okay. Not super great. It is very I, thematic. So far, yeah. So far, I guess they see as well, yeah. Alright. Uh, at 10th level, you gain Shielding Storm. You learn to use your Mastery of the Storm to protect others. Each creature of your choice has the damage resistance you gained from the Storm Soul feature while the creature is in your Storm's aura. So, so 10 feet. 10 feet, you have to be raging to have storms aura on, but while they're in there, you gain res they gain resistances to whichever storm you chose. Okay. Yeah, the only problem with the fire one, though, is that it's going to damage you. It's going to damage you as long as you're staying within there. You'll have this is another one that I don't feel like they put together super, yeah, super well. I, I feel like this one was slightly rushed. Uh, I'm going to also give that one a C because you're mainly... You're narrowing your own options down as far as helping out your allies by them being around you, you know? Yep. Yep. See, it's um, pretty much where if you're in the situation, yeah, it's good. But if you're in the situation. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say C. Um, finally, at 14th level, you get Raging Storm. The power of the storm you channel grows mightier, lashing out at your foes. The effect is based on the environment you choose in your storm's aura again. Desert. Immediately after a creature in your aura hits you with an attack, you can use your reaction to force that creature to make a dex saving throw. On a failed save, the creature takes fire damage equal to half your barbarian level. Uh, C. When you hit a creature in your aura with an attack, you can use your reaction to force that creature to make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, the creature is knocked prone, as if struck by a wave. Uh, or Tundra, whenever the effect of your storm aura is activated, you can choose one creature you can see in the aura. That creature must succeed on a strength saving throw, or its speed is reduced to zero until the start of your next turn, as Magical Frost covers it. I think all of these are also very weak. 
you the most again the most beneficial one here that I see would be C for a barbarian and that's knocking somebody prone which uh, you can get at a much lower level from a different subclass. Yep. Yeah. So uh, and again that's a strength saving throw and if they've if they succeed then they're not knocked prone and then you've wasted your reaction to try to make them save. Um, but if they are knocked prone, you do have advantage on the attack rolls made against it at that point. I don't know. Overall, I think I'm going to give this, this class a C. I'm, I'm not, I'm not enthralled by this class. I'm not overly intrigued by this class, but I do appreciate the thematics of the class. Um, like I could see like maybe a path of the storm herald uh or the a path of the sea storm herald barbarian a the whatever fucking subclass the sorcerer one that has that slow lightning the storm sorcerer you know i i could see a group and the tempest building, cleric all in a group yeah i could see a group trying to build a thematic party around this the party is a cult that worships thor I mean, put, yep. Yeah, I mean, potentially, you know, like it, it would have you would have to have a group of friends like that would be willing to try to play these roles and work as a thematic group for this to be even interesting to me. I would look at it as taking one for the team playing this one in that group. Like, yeah. I'm gonna rate this a C, but I f- honestly feel if you're taking this over other subclasses, it should get a D because you could be doing more for your group. Like, I, I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but... Yeah. I mean, I definitely... I feel like this is way better than the Battle Rager. So that's why I'm not giving it a D. Yeah. But I definitely... I do agree. If you're going to pick a Barbarian and you're... If you want to go... You know, if you're going to choose Path of the Storm Herald, you're only... I mean, you could choose almost every other path is going to benefit your group better. Yeah. Um, I hate to say it like that because it's you know it's the player's choice what they want to play, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got three more to get through real quick. Uh, where are we sitting at for time here? An hour and a half. Yeah, we can get through the next three real quick. Next one's my personal favorite. Yep. This is uh, anytime I build a barbarian, I'm usually building it with the intent of being a tank. And if you're going to build a tank barbarian. This is pretty much the only option as far as I'm concerned, as far as, um, well, being a tank. And that's Path of the Totem Warrior. Um, So, let's see. Spirit Seeker. Yours is a path that seeks attunement to the natural world, giving you a kinship to beasts. At third level, when you cho- when you adopt this path, you gain the ability to cast Beast Sense and speak with animal spells, but only as rituals, uh, as described in the spellcasting section. So you get those just innately. I've also never used those ever on any of my barbarians. Never come up for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, third level, Totem Spirit. When you adopt this path, you choose a totem spirit and gain its feature. You must make or acquire a physical totem object or amulet or similar adornment uh, that incorporates fur or feathers, claws, teeth, or bones of the totem animal. At your option, you also gain minor physical attributes 
that are reminiscent of your totem spirit. For example, if you have a bear totem spirit, you might be unusually hairy or thick-skinned. Or if your totem is an eagle, your eyes turn bright yellow. Your totem animal might be an animal related to those listed here, but more appropriate to your homeland. For example, you could choose a hawk or a vulture in place of the eagle. So, third level. I There's only one option as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's so, an S rank. Bear, bear totem. While raging, you have resistance to all damage except for psychic. So for those of you listening who don't know what resistance means, you take half damage from everything except for psychic damage. Uh, the spirit of the bear makes you tough enough to stand up to any punishment. Eagle. While you're raging, other creatures have disadvantage on opportunity attack rolls against you, and you can use the dash action as a bonus action on your turn. Oh, spirit, at oh, third level? Yeah, third level. Look at that. Huh. The spirit, uh, yeah, go fuck yourself, uh, Battle Ranger. The spirit <laughs> of the eagle makes you uh, makes you into a predator who can weave through the fray with ease. Elk, while you are raging you aren't and aren't wearing heavy armor, your walking speed increases by 15 feet. The spirit of the elk makes you extraordinarily swift. I do, I can see if you're not playing a tank, if you're playing a damaging barbarian based off of certain feats that you would take, I could see where Elk would come in handy just to be goddamn super fast. Yeah. Um, that with mobile plus your, your additional 10 feet just that you get from being a barbarian. So you're looking at an additional 35 feet of movement speed. That's insane. At, at, you know, such a lower level, you know. Uh, Tiger, while raging, you can add 10 feet to your long jump distance and 3 feet to your high jump distance. The spirit of the tiger empowers your leaps. Wolf, while you're raging, your friends have advantage on melee attack rolls against any creature within 5 feet of you that is hostile towards you. The spirit of the wolf makes you a leader to hunters. Essentially, you gain pack tactics. You're granting your party, essentially, pack tactics with everything that you're engaged with. Again, at third level, with the argument for Elk, depending on how you want to build your Barbarian, my personal preference, I think Bear is the only choice here. Uh, And to me, Bear is the S-rank choice. Yes. With Wolf and Elk probably being A to me. Yeah. But yeah, Bear, S, for sure. Rob, what do you think? You're muted. (laughs) I was muted, so I have no opinion. God damn it. <laughs> we love you. So what's your opinion? I said I have none. No, you have to have one. I don't have to have opinions. Longest yeah, episode we, ever, because we, we don't go you, until you say it. We want you to have an opinion. I mean, the whole thing, no matter what you pick, really. I mean, you get, uh, look, you're getting weird spells at the first level instead of 10th level. And, uh, yeah, I mean, most of these things were things in the other ones that you got at way later levels than level three. So I would go with S for all of it. Okay. Uh, sixth level, you gain aspect of the beast. You gain a magical benefit based on the totem animal of your choice. You can choose the same animal you selected at third level or a different one. That is something very... Specific to point out, some people I've been approached several times because I'm part of a uh, Facebook group where people can literally message me 
uh, and ask me D&D questions. And I will either research or answer them if I know it off the top of my head. Um, I've gotten several questions about totem barbarians if they have to choose the same totem every single time, like at third level. Uh, you do not. You can choose a different totem. Like at third level, you choose a totem. At sixth level, you can choose either the same totem or a different one if it if it uh, suits you better. Um, now, the bear totem for this one is you gain the might of a bear. Your carrying capacity, including your maximum load and maximum lift, is doubled. And you have advantage on strength checks made to push, pull, lift, or break objects. This personally is my favorite because I like picking shit up and pulling stuff. Crank is smart as there is. Uh, <laughs> eagle. You gain the eyesight of an eagle. You can see up to one mile away with no difficulty. Able to discern every fine detail as though looking at someone at something no more than 100 feet away from you. Additionally, dim light doesn't impose disadvantage on your perception checks. This is fantastic if you're in an open area. If you're in a cave... You're not going to be able to see a mile away. Uh, if you're then in the light comes into play in a cave. That's true. Uh, in the forest, again, the light part might come into play, especially with all like the canopies and stuff blocking out a lot of the light. But in a forest, you might not be able to see a mile away, depending on how dense the forest is. Uh, but again, it's a unique feature, and, and I appreciate what they're doing here. Um, elk, whether mounted or on foot, your travel pace is doubled as is the travel pace of up to 10 companions while they're within 60 feet of you and you're not incapacitated. The elk spirit helps you roam far and fast. This is something that is very underlooked as far as D&D goes. A lot of D&D groups, they try to figure out what's best for roleplay purposes, what's best in combat. No one ever considers travel. Just to put it into perspective, you guys had... Go in, in the tiny little top knot game, you guys had 12 days of travel from from the the uh, village you were leaving to get to Mid Gulch. Had one of you had this at sixth level, um, you it's would have gotten there in six days, and so in half the time, and you wouldn't have encountered probably half the shit that you did. Now, that being said, you're missing out on XP potentially. You're missing out on loot potentially, but you're getting to your destination faster. So it's really preference, I think. That's uh, an S rank for what it does, but I don't know if we would rank it as S overall. Right. Uh, Tiger, you gain proficiency in two skills from the following list athletics, acrobatics, stealth, or survival. The cat spirit hones your survival skills or your survival This instincts. is my favorite. Uh, Tiger is a fantastic one at this level as well because you're gaining proficiencies and skills. Anytime, especially barbarians, anytime you have the opportunity to gain proficiency and skills, you should try to do it because barbarians do not start off with a lot of skill proficiencies. Um, a lot of people look at barbarians as one-trick ponies, and, and a lot of the times that they're not wrong. In combat, it's I run up to it, I hit it with my thing real hard. Oh, okay, well... You know, then you wait the hour for the rest of the party to take their turns, 
because, you know, most of them are spellcasters or wizards and have to deal with, you know, figuring out exactly what they want to cast in that moment. It comes back to you and the DM's like, okay, you know, you're on deck. It's like, okay, I already know what I'm doing. I'm going to run up, I'm going to hit the thing really hard again. Like, I love barbarians. It's so simple. Like, barbarians are my spirit animal, okay? Yeah, they're pretty awesome. Uh, uh, honestly, until I played one, I didn't even grasp how good they are. Um, and then finally, at 6th level, Wolf, you gain the hunting sensibilities of a wolf. You can track other creatures while traveling at a fast pace, and you can move stealthily while traveling at a normal pace. Uh, this is also very useful in obviously a role play perspective, um, and a lot of people, it, I think it's underlooked. Um, for what they do, I'm going to give the sixth level aspects probably an A, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I agree. Um- from a combat perspective, maybe not, but for what they actually do, it's definitely an A to me. Yeah. Um, what about you, Rob? Yeah. Uh, no, there he is. I hate Sorry, you. Rob. <laughs> I would, I'd say B, personally. Okay. Any particular reason why? I don't know. I mean... They're not, like, super useful compared to their previous... Because it's kind of like, oh, look at all these things. And then it's like, oh. Eh. <laughs> okay. Like, compared to the level three things, they kind of are lackluster a bit. Fair. I, you, get, I get what you're saying. Do you think they should saying. have switched the level six and level three things? I, I always think that about these, no. <laughs> apparently. But yeah. <laughs> I do feel like if they put the level six ones at level three first, um, it would have been a better lead up to what the level three ones gave. Um, I definitely feel like you wouldn't, you wouldn't have, obviously you wouldn't have that feeling of, Oh, Hey, you know, I became a bar, bear, 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 totem barbarian at third level. I'm resistant to everything. Then at level six, you look at the totems and you're like, None of these are really helping me with what I want to do, but sure. Yeah, um, I mean, I like I like the the skill one enough personally. That's why skills, I'm giving it skills. a day between that and I always take bears again um, on my sixth level one because I always, for whatever reason, the games that I play barbarians in, I always come across the things that. I should be able to use that six level bear totem for like lifting open a, a door or picking up a cart or, yeah, no, you know, don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But I, I obviously never get to do it. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong, <sighs> but 10th Hello? level, uh, here's one that I think might fall a little lackluster on some people, but spirit Walker at 10th level, you cast the commune with nature spell, but only as a ritual. When you do so, a spiritual version of the of one of the animals you chose for a totem spirit or aspects of the beast appears to you to convey the information that you seek. Now, the commune with nature spell, 
You briefly become one with nature and gain knowledge of the surrounding territory. In, a, in the outdoors, the spell gives you knowledge of the land within three miles of you. In caves and other natural underground settings, the radius is limited to 300 feet. The spell doesn't function where nature has been replaced by construction, such as dungeons and towns. You instantly gain knowledge of up to three facts of your choice about any of the following subjects as they relate to the area. Terrain and bodies of water. Prevalent plants, minerals, animals, or peoples. Powerful celestials, fey, fiends, elementals, or undead. Influence from other planes of existence. Or straight-up buildings. So you can tell if there's a structure out in the middle of the woods, you know, so to speak. Now, I will say a lot of people, again, they don't think of any type of spell that you're able to cast as a barbarian as being super useful. Uh, it is situational. But I do think commune with nature is a very good spell when adventuring that a lot of people opt not to use. I mean, I'll say the same thing that we said with uh, the Celestial Guardians. It's not really the Barbarian's job to do oh, scouting yeah. and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah. No, I, I hear you on that. I'm also thinking, like, yeah, no, I mean... Does that make it a C or a B? I'm going to give it a B. It's still a decent perk. Yeah, I mean... I, now, yeah, here's I the reason also... I'm giving it a B. Generally speaking, I think the only other classes that really get communed with nature are druids and rangers. And if your druid doesn't prepare this spell common like on a common basis because they don't use it then hey you have it so it doesn't matter if it is something that your druid actually does take and you guys as a party do utilize you can now cast it as a ritual freeing up that spell slot for your druid or your ranger yeah so it does have utility it is not the most beneficial thing for your role especially as a tank. Um, but I don't think that it is unsynergized, I guess, with the rest of the role. <clears throat> well, I don't think it synergizes with the role, but it fits the theme. Role, yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I, and I like this spell personally. I think it's useful when you need it. Uh, for Very sure. useful when you need it. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I'm I'm gonna give it a B. It's I think I'm gonna say a B also, probably B minus, because it's to me personally, I don't think it synergizes as well as I would like with them. But at the same time, it does make sense. Yeah. And what about you, Rob? Um, I'm gonna give it a B only because I over the C I gave the clairvoyance and augury because it gives more information. Yeah. And you can, I believe, augury and clairvoyance, you can only do once per long rest. Uh, and you can only do one of them or short, I think it was or short long rest. I think it was short rest. I think it was short, yeah. Uh, this, you do not have a limit to how often you can do this, but you just have to cast it as a ritual. 
So it takes 10 minutes per casting. Um, I do think that overall for the Totem Warrior, this is probably the weaker feature of the class. Um, but yeah, so we're all pretty much in, in line with giving this a B. Uh, and then lastly, at 14th level, you gain the magical benefit based on a totem animal of your choice. You can choose the same animal you selected previously or a different one again. Starting with bear, one, you're, while you're raging, any creature within 5 feet of you that, that's hostile to you has disadvantage on attack rolls against targets other than you or another creature with this feature. Um, an enemy is immune to this effect if it can't see or hear... Uh, hear you or if it can't be frightened um it's a good tanking ability uh to try to get things to swing at you uh the downside is is if things are immune to the frightened um status then this doesn't work on them regardless uh eagle while raging you have a flying speed equal to your current walking speed this benefit only works in short bursts. You fall if you end your turn in the air and nothing else is holding you aloft. Uh, this is a fantastic one as well. You gain a flying speed as a barbarian. That's my favorite one. Uh, nothing is scarier than probably being up in the air thinking you're safe from that barbarian as you're, you know, a Aarakocra wizard shooting spells down at people. Then all of a sudden you see the barbarian growling and flying up into your face, swinging yeah. a giant air. It goes so hammer. well with their with their large movement. Um, elk, this is the one that I personally usually always take. Uh, oh, no. Uh, well, I've taken elk them. and wolf, but <clears throat> elk, while raging, you can use a bonus action during your move to pass through the same space as a large or smaller creature. That creature must succeed on a strength saving throw, DC 8 plus your strength bonus plus your proficiency bonus. Or be knocked prone and take bludgeoning damage equal to 1d12 plus your strength modifier. This is a good one because, again, uh, other than raging, barbarians don't have a lot to do with their bonus actions unless you spec into certain things like dual wielding, things like that. Um, so to be able to knock something prone based off of a strength save and the DC is increasing by your strength bonus which is phenomenal because that's what you should go for with a barbarian and you're doing damage to it i think that's an overall really good choice as well um tiger while you're raging if you move at least 20 feet in a straight line towards a large or smaller target right before making a melee weapon attack against it you can use a bonus action to make an additional melee weapon attack against it i think that's also a great uh, a great thing yeah, uh, you have to have a twenty-foot straight line towards a target, though. Uh, so to use this feature, if you're engaged with the only target on the field, you literally have to back up, attempt, you know, have have the opportunity attack made against you. Which, if you're tanking, you're costing them. If they're willing to take the opportunity attack against you because you move out of the threatened square, cool. You're freeing up that reaction, or you're, you're eating up their reaction, so that now they can't take opportunity attacks against the rest of your party if they decide to move in and out, like your rogue. Uh, so he won't have to use his bonus action to disengage. You move out, you might take a hit, you might not. You move back X amount of feet, you run forward 20 feet, you get two attacks. 
you know, you get, well, you get your normal attack, you get a bonus attack, attack, and then you get your normal attack again with your extra attack feature. Um, so solid choice there. Wolf, this is the other one that I really liked uh, once I started learning how to do it properly. While you're raging, you can use a bonus action on your turn to knock a large or smaller creature prone when you hit it with a melee weapon attack. So, so good. what I would do is I would use my first attack, attack. If I hit, bonus attack, knock it prone. Not even a saving throw involved. You just flat out you're prone. Now with your extra attack, now you have advantage on this thing. So you don't even have to recklessly attack it. And then you just go ahead and swing and hopefully get a crit. Uh, I think all of these are really solid. Uh, if I, It hurts me to say this. I think the bear might be one of the weaker ones on here. Um, but I think they're all just really solid ones. Um, yeah, they're all, they're back to like the, the first level ones where you're like, Ooh, these are all like, yeah, a lot of good choices. Uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to give all these an S tier. They're utilizing bonus actions. A lot of them. Um, Yeah. It gives the Barbarian a lot more choices of what they're capable of doing. Um, especially, like like you said, that Eagle one, which is your favorite, Donnie. Yeah. There, I, I can't count the number of times that I've been the Barbarian on the ground looking for the fucking guy flying in the air who will not come down. Because he doesn't want to get hit by me. You know? And I just sit there and twiddle my thumbs. <laughs> you know? Uh, since then, I've always had a Barbarian that usually like carries like a... Uh, like a hockey bag full of javelins or something on his back. So I just pull out a javelin and start hucking javelins up at these things. But uh, So yeah, uh, overall, I mean, it might be my bias. It might not. I'm giving this, I'm giving this path an S as far as overall rating to me. Donnie? I need... Hmm. Do you give them an S rank for being the best at what they do, or S rank for being overall great? Because to me kind personally, of, kind don't of, do well, a lot better I, at tanking I, than them. I feel okay. So like again, with the S rank criteria that we had, game changing features, which yeah. enhance the base class in powerful and broadly applicable ways. Yeah, they made to it. me, yeah. nothing is more game changing than having a bear totem barbarian in your group as a tank. You I literally agree. you you don't have to start tailoring fights specifically for that, but it definitely increases the survivability of your fights. And I was saying earlier, I am kicking I'm going to kick myself in the ass because of the stream game that we do on Wednesdays occasionally now. Uh the one where where John plays Brenna who is a bear totem barbarian. Uh, Anthony is also playing a bear totem barbarian. So I have <laughs> two bear totem barbarians in this group that I have to, that I have to try to account for. And, that, the saves. and that doesn't mean that I'm going to sit there and throw things that do nothing but psychic damage at these guys. But 
they are specifically because of that fact. They are going to run into bigger, stronger creatures. Or, like like, I had a session where it was John playing Brenna and Rob playing somebody. And it was two people. And I essentially threw them that same scenario you had where they were they were ambushed by a bunch of feral goblins in the woods. And they barely made it out of there alive because of how many attacks the goblins got in on Brenna before she could get her rage started. Oh. So it really, as a DM, it makes you try to th- set up, you know, encounters where it's like, maybe I can catch these guys off guard. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do that. Although John... Sh- you know, he forgot a lot of Brenna stuff at the time that would have prevented some of that, like his ability to, on a surprise round, as long as raging was the first thing he did, he was able to act on the first round of that. He did not remember to do that. I am not in charge. Of, I have said this to my players a lot. I am not in charge of keeping track of your guys' characters. I have enough on my plate trying to keep track of the 40 things that I have attacking you right now. So if you forget to do something, sorry, but you're just moving forward. Try to remember that you can do that, you know, but it it really, it, it's really going to be, I think, a unique challenge for me, especially loving the bear totem barbarian so much, having to try to work around scenarios, now having two of them in a party. So... But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I do feel like the Bear Totem tanking Barbarian, specifically, is a game-changing feature. Having resistance to all damage except for one damage type in the game. Yeah, and they have multiple game-changing features, so yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's the that's the only reason I'm giving it an S. It is literally game-changing. What do you feel, Rob? I would say an S. And then Donnie, you say S? Yeah, this is probably the... Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Totem. Uh, the next one in line was the one that I thought might might be in competition for the DPS aligned with the Berserker. And that's Path of the Zealot. So starting at third level, you get Divine Fury. So, starting when you choose this path at third level, you can channel Divine Fury into your weapon strikes. While you're raging, the first creature you hit on each of your turns with a weapon attack takes an extra damage equal to 1d6 plus half your Barbarian level. The extra damage is Necrotic or Radiant. You choose the type of damage when you gain this feature. So... It's not only just a D6, it's not even increasing your it's not even adding your strength modifier, it's increasing it's 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 adding half your barbarian level. Um so I mean you're looking at max damage, 16 points of max damage every hit when you hit the first creature every round. <clears throat> uh not bad. Warrior of the gods. This one I think is what okay so let me okay let me ask you this divine fury I'm going to give that one probably it's a solid A to me 
It is giving you an extra damage on top of your attack that's just free damage. Yeah. Yeah, and that's enough free damage that I would not say A to. And you? it's a solid damage type. It's not three piercing, it's it's A. It is not three piercing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you do not have to use your action to grapple something. You can actually make the attack. <laughs> um and it's not wasted if you if you miss your first attack and use your extra attack later on to hit something. It's the first thing that you hit on your turn takes this extra damage. In addition to any other extra damage that your weapon might do or other things might do for you, this is just added damage. That's why I said A. I will say this. Warrior of the Gods, which is also at third level, I think is, personally, I think is an S-rank feature. It's a lot of money. Your soul is marked for endless battle. If a spell such as Raise Dead has the sole effect of restoring you to life but not undeath, so not raising you as a zombie. The caster does not need material components to cast this spell on you. That means raise dead, needing the diamond worth 200 gold, you don't need it. That means true resurrection, needing the diamond or whatever it is that's worth 25,000 gold, you don't need it. You just do not need material components to raise you from dead, from death. That is game changing. That's oh, it's damn near game breaking, as far as I'm concerned, for a third level feature. <clears throat> uh, what do you guys think? I'm back and forth. I want to say a high A. Does this mean that as a cleric if i came across a dead barbarian who i happen to have this even though he's been dead for like however long you can just like true resurrect without any of the things needed if, if you knew that he was a path of the zealot yes wow that's why i feel like this is this specific feature maybe not the class as a whole but that's why to me this specific feature is an s rank feature mm. Yeah, I'll say yes as well. Because especially if you're a cleric and you come across a dead barbarian, you know it's a barbarian at least, and you don't know what type, speak with dead. Ask it, what type of barbarian were you? She <laughs> says, Path of the Zealots. Cool, I'm going to bring you back. <laughs> you yeah. know? I don't know. It's it's insane. Uh, you could raise it. You... you yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. So you're giving it a, a or Donnie, you're giving it a high A. Yeah. Rob, I think I'm gonna stick with that. I said S. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm scatterbrained right now. I'm already said. I'm running on one hour <laughs> of just laying down. Remember? <laughs> yep, just laying down. <laughs> it's not sleep. It's just laying down for an hour. Uh, starting at six level, you get fanatical focus. The divine power that fuels your rage can protect you. If you fail a saving throw while you're raging, you can re-roll it, and you must use the new roll. You can use this ability once per rage. Uh, I mean, that's essentially... I, I, I think that's an A-class ability, yeah. too. Yeah. 
anytime that you're uh, able, it's essentially a luck point. You're getting a fraction of a feature uh, of a feat for just a feature. You know? Rob? Rob's going to be like, fuck you, it's a C. I hate all of you. Rob, are you still there? Yeah, I'm thinking. Oh. Yeah, I, I would say probably. Okay. It's uh, it's like the the fighter one, but it's only when you're raging. So. Yeah. Oh, in, in dom, indomitable or whatever. Yeah, I get. I remember what you're saying now. All right, tenth level zealous presence. You learn to channel divine power to inspire zealotry in others. As a bonus action, you unleash a battle cry infused with divine energy. Up to 10 other creatures of your choice within 60 feet of you that can hear you gain advantage on attack rolls and saving throws until the start of your next turn. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. So 60 foot radius, up to 10 creatures... You're all you're giving them all advantage on attack rolls for the round, and and saving throws, which is very good. And but it's only throws. for one turn. Uh-uh. But it's a bonus action, so you're not consuming your action. You can still attack while doing it. All I'm saying is we've seen worse level ten features. We have. I'm thinking of B. Okay. It's very good, but it's only one round, and then you can't use it again until you long rest. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm on the cusp of A and B. Like, I want to say A because, I mean, you're affecting ten other creatures of your choice. So, essentially, if you're, you're looking at a base party plus po- uh, possibly NPCs that you have helping you in a fight. Right, um, which is that's if, if right. you know, yeah, uh, and it's double the range of normal uh, things that we've seen so far. So, like instead of you know things within thirty feet, now you're extending it out to sixty feet. Um, if you have a rogue in your party, you're automatically he's automatically going to get his sneak attack regardless of of yeah. setup. Um. And anybody who is downed or say they're petrified or whatever and their turn comes after you, they're going to get advantage on their saving throws, which may or may not help depending on how shitty their saving throws are. I mean, I do feel like it is very big. Yeah, I'm on the cusp of A and B. I don't know. I'm right there. Once, like if you had maybe proficiency, well, proficiency is probably too many uses. If you had two or three uses, I'd say it was an A, but... I'm gonna say B just because it's once, pretty much it's once a day. I, uh, I think I'll go with you on B, and I would give it an A if you could get it back on a short rest. Yeah, I was just gonna say the same exact thing. So I it is very good when you do use it. So we'll all give this this particular one a B. And then lastly, Rage Beyond Death, beginning this at was f- fucking crazy. 14th level, the divine power that fuels your rage allows you to shrug off fatal blows. 
while you're raging, having zero hit points doesn't knock you unconscious. You still must make death saving throws, and you suffer the normal effects of taking damage while at zero hit points. However, if you would die due to falling, failing death saving throws, you don't die until your rage ends, and you die then only if you still have zero hit points. That is one pissed off zombie. <laughs> yes. Uh, that that one uh, to me is S tier. Like to be able yeah. to carry on fighting even though you're dead. One hundred percent. All it takes is if you know that the battle's coming to the close, and your and your priest can get off a healing word. And they know that you've already failed your three yeah. death saves. One All they've got to do is hit you with the healing word. <laughs> you're safe. Period. You literally cannot die until. You can be outright killed, though, right? Yes. No. Yes. Okay. Um. But I mean, at 14th level, that's going to take a lot. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh. I mean, yeah, you have essentially the time frame of when you started raging to when you're starting, when you died and you have to start making death saving throws. You, you know, you have within that minute Pissed off range. zombie mode. Pissed off zombie so mode. I definitely, I'm giving, I'm giving that an S, S tier. Yeah. I came to this one to be very picky with my S rankings, but this is 100% an S ranking. Uh, I mean, I'm overall... Like you said, maybe with the, with the exception of the zealous presence, uh, I mean, I'm a high A, if not a low S, on this on this path for barbarian overall. I'm saying I'm going to say an A, and I'm going to pose you a question. And it might change what I say. Hmm. What is this barbarian's role? What are they? What is their thing? Because I don't see a whole lot of damage. I I think that the other one wins out on damage. Only just because of pure number of attacks. Just, yeah, sh- the sheer amount of attacks that they can get. This one does have useful things. I don't mean to say it's not useful. It's just they're not necessarily tanking hits. Kind of like a bullet sponge. Because it, it's very easy to like bring it back to life if it dies. and <laughs> Yeah. Stuff like okay. that. Like It's more like, a, hey, I'm here to absorb all the damage. Yeah, I do feel like this is this is the the fuck the points. I don't need them. This is this is your this is your off tank DPS. Okay. Okay, I can see that. You know, because I just feel like some of the things are good. Like they're very good what they get, but it's just like, what is their identity though? Like, yeah, they get this, but what do they do? Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna say a high A. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning on high A, low S. I think it's good. I think it's a, Rob, a what, damn good class. What do you think overall? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll say the same. So a. High A. Alright, we're giving yeah. this one an A. The, uh... Zealot. He's basically like the Roadhog of yes, <laughs> of, yes. Of barbarians. <laughs> yep. Oh, if this one had a stealth hill, they wouldn't be able to even die. 
This is this <laughs> is the Roadhog of Barbarians, but it it does not put Mercy's res on cooldown. <laughs> Essentially, what yeah. what level do they get that final the 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 Four, pissed 14th. off zombie mode fourteenth. Oh, bro, multi-class this with a fucking paladin and just lay on hands for one hit point when you get killed. <laughs> yeah, or or monk, uh, you know, because they have like yeah, the monk would be better. Monk. Um, because I mean, yeah. then you, if you if you multi-class this with monk, you'd have key points to do flurry of blows, things like that. I mean, there's there's lots of things that you could. This is definitely, in my opinion, as much as I love the level twenty capstone for barbarian, this is the this is the barbarian path that I would not mind multi-classing with somebody else. Yeah. Even if I multi, yeah. even if you multi-class like fighter, save your second wind or whatever for when you're about to die. Uh, and then you get the extra attacks that fighters get. So make it an orc multi-class into something else that gets a revive. Yes. Yeah, one hundred percent. What is it? Shadow sorcerer that gets the undead thing. I think so. Yep. Jesus, do you know how hard that would be to kill? Yeah. So, and I think there's a monk one too. So, but the last the last uh, path we have for barbarians here is path of wild magic. I know that this is probably oh, yeah. going to be Devin's favorite because he loves <laughs> wild magic. Uh. At third level, you get magic awareness. As an action, you can open your awareness to the presence of concentrated magic. Till the end of your next turn, you know the location of any spell or magic item within 60 feet of you that isn't behind total cover. When you sense a spell, you learn which school of magic it belongs to. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Uh. So it has to be out in the open. It has to be in the much. open. Like, can't be in somebody's house. Can't be six houses down. If it's if it's an enemy casting a spell at you, guess what? Right before that fireball hits you, you can learn that that's an evocation spell. Good on you. It's, it's still going to hit you. <laughs> it's nifty. I mean, it's... It... It's not all you get at third level, though. Oh, okay. No, okay. You're right. But I mean, I'm, I'm doing it feature by feature. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this feature, I, to, I don't, I don't know. This I, isn't the job I want the barbarian no, doing not at all. Yeah. Not yet. Uh, I mean, maybe later on in this path, but this particular feature, if it wasn't the fact that things can't be behind total cover, so you can't, you can't sense something in like a chest. So it's not even good at what it's doing. No, I'm going to say that this is a C borderline D feature in my opinion. I I'm gonna give it a D. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's like the cover thing. This to me personally, unless somebody can tell me a better use. I mean, it saves people from having to cast detect magic on things. Yeah, but detect magic can still see auras through walls. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but if you have this item, be like, hey, is it magic? Then they have to either cast uh, identify or yeah, magic. Whereas yeah, but just again, one action where you could be like, no, nah, it's not. Okay. When in the history of ever have you asked your barbarian to tell me if this yeah. is not shit? Yeah. I mean, I get it. Yes, it gives you this use. So I will, I will not say a D. You talk me out of a D. I'm going to say a C, begrudgingly a C, I mean, because it does have use. This this barbarian, if they if they were smart enough, I guess could in like in an inn, could tell 
when... Now, keep in mind, this lasts only six seconds, because it lasts until the end of your next turn. I could check for magical traps, too. Yeah, you could tell if somebody is casting, say, like a message spell and talking to one of your party members. Uh, You could figure out who exactly that is doing that. Um, It does have some usefulness, but definitely not the role that I would want a barbarian playing. Um, Six seconds and it can't see through cover. I'm not. I'm not a fan. I won't give it a D. I'm gonna give it a C. Like it's. Still if you have an intelligent person, if you have a somewhat intelligent person telling them when to use this, it's useful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't like it. But all right. So f- final answer, C from me. C from me. Yep. Same. All right. Also, at third level, you get Wild Surge. The magical energy rolling inside you sometimes erupts from you. When you enter your rage, roll on the Wild Magic table to determine the magical effect produced. If the effect requires a saving throw, the DC equals 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your constitution modifier. I won't... uh, I guess we'll go through all of them. Uh... Shadowy tendrils lash around you. Each creature of your choice that you can see within 30 feet of you must succeed on a constitution saving throw or take 1d12 necrotic damage. You also gain 1d12 temporary hit points. If you roll a 2 on a d8, you teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied unoccupied space you can see. Until your rage ends, you can use this effect again on each of your turns as a bonus action. So you get a misty step as a bonus action for the duration of your rage. Three, an intangible spirit which looks like a flump or a pixie. Your choice. I like this one. Within five feet of one creature of your choice that you can see within 30 feet of you. At the end of the current turn, that spirit explodes and each creature within (laughs) five feet of it must make a dexterity saving throw or 6 force damage. I love this one. Uh, Until your rage ends, you can use this effect again, summoning another spirit on each of your turns as a bonus action. I, I just picture like these little half ethereal pixies coming in with like literally little little vests of dynamite around them and them just flying <laughs> at you. <laughs> and the, your orc barbarians just loving it and laughing at them as they blow up. Uh, if you roll when a you four, summon the first one, it's like floating around and someone's like, oh look, a little fairy. It's like, get ready for a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, Conk would just eat the pixie. I like to think that no matter... Who, which, no matter who, barba- like no matter what barbarian uses this effect, all of the all of the pixies are the same. And I like to the, like they're wearing like a little trench coat, and like <laughs> they open it up and it's just a bomb strapped to their chest, and they're like Malakar sends his regards. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just not all the pixies know Malakar. Them. Even the barbarian who summoned them, they're like, "Who the fuck's Malakar? <laughs> like, what is this?" <laughs> Uh, okay, four. Magic confuses one weapon of your choice that you are holding until your rage ends. The weapon's damage type changes to force, and it gains the light and throne properties with a normal range of 20 feet and a long range of 60. If the weapon leaves your hand, the weapon reappears in your hand at the end of the current turn. That's great. Not a lot of things resistant to force damage. The weapon becomes magical, so you can overcome uh, resistances and immunities. And it becomes a thrown light weapon. Even if it's a fucking two-handed axe. You just fucking throw that shit and it comes right back to you. Uh, 
Yeah, but that's not something you can count on getting either, nope, though. Nope, none of these are. Yeah. Uh, five, whenever a creature hits you with an attack roll before your rage ends, the creature takes 1d6 force damage as a magic lashes out in retribution. Six, until your rage ends, you are surrounded by multicolored protective lights. You gain plus one bonus to AC while within 10 feet of you, your allies gain the same bonus. Nice. Seven, flowers and vines temporarily grow around you. Until your rage ends, the ground within 15 feet of you is difficult terrain for your enemies. Eight, as a bolt of light shoots from your chest, another creature of your choice that you can see within 30 feet of you must succeed on a constitution saving throw or take 1d6 radiant damage and be blinded until the start of your next turn. Until your rage ends, you can't use this effect again. Oh, you can use this effect again. Uh on each of your turns as a bonus action. I will say this. The wild sorcerer, I think it is, whatever. The the sorcerer that you have to roll on a wild magic table or whatever. Yeah. Not everything on that table is beneficial to that sorcerer. I'm kind of curious as to why every single effect on this wild magic table is beneficial. If it's a wild magic, there should be at least a couple detrimental things in here. This one does it better than the Sorcerer. Uh, I like it. I mean, I hate that it's random, but every one of them are good. It, well, that's. I think that's my only problem with it. Then it's no longer... It's not really wild. I, I guess it's wild just in the sense that it's random, but anytime you have anything that's random, there should always be a chance of something being bad, even if it's just, okay, the one. So if you roll a one on a D8, something bad should happen. Yeah, thematically doesn't fit. Mechanically, and it's pretty good. The one is the worst one of them, but it's still helpful. Right. I mean, even then, you're gain- you're getting two effects. You're doing 1d12 necrotic, and you're gaining 1d12 hit po- uh, temporary hit points. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. Ultimately, I will say that this is far more useful than the magical awareness as a third uh-huh. path feature. I'm- I'll give this one... I mean, I'll give this one a B, a high B, maybe. That's what I'm thinking. And it, the randomness is what makes it a B, because all of them are good, but you can't plan around any of it. Right. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. But you're a barbarian, too, so who plans, right? Right. What about you, Rob? What do you give this one overall? Uh, I'll give it an A, just because it's... All beneficial. And it's, most of it uses bonus actions, which, again... Barbarians don't have a ton of anyway. That's yeah, true. That's true. If we give an A for less, I, I, I'm going to switch mine to A. All right, I'm keeping mine a high B. Uh, sixth level bolstering magic. You can harness your wild magic to bolster yourself or a companion. As an action, you can touch one creature, which can be yourself, and confer one of the following benefits of your choice to that creature. For 10 minutes, the creature can roll a D3. Whenever making an attack roll or an ability check and add the number rolled to the d20 roll. Why a d3? It's dumb. Uh, roll it's, a like d- adding a ma- it's potentially doubling how magic the item is, if it's a, even if it's a d, uh, plus 3 weapon. Roll a d3. The creature regains one expended spell slot, the level of which equals the number rolled or lower the creature's choice. Once a creature receives this benefit, that creature can't receive it again until after a long rest. So you can give your casters back a spell slot of one through third level, depending on what you roll. You can take this action a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. 
and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Okay. I, I mean, it's useful. I don't like the fact that it's a D3. Like, who, no one, there's not even a D3. That's not even a thing. Just to, like, take a D6 and cut it like, And cut it in uh, half, yeah. Add half the, yeah. Or, like, one and two is one, two, uh, three and four is two, five and six is three. But I still, I don't know. Like, just why not just a D4? Mm. All right. I don't, I don't get it. But, I mean, I'll give this one, I, again, I'm, I'm going to give this one a B. I mean, it's useful. Yeah. Yeah, I think a B. The D3 is useful. I mean, even a D3 is useful, I guess I should say. And then adding spell slots back to your casters is very good at low levels. Yeah. What do you, what do you say, Rob? Uh, I'd say B. Okay. Tenth level unstable backlash when you are imperiled during your rage. The magic within you can lash out. Immediately after you take damage or fail a saving throw while raging, you can use your reaction to roll the wild on the wild magic table and immediately produce the effect rolled. This effect replaces the current wild magic effect. So it depends level you get a chance to change it. Yeah. Or you well, almost certainly change it. So when you enter your rage, and then... Yeah. So basically, it uses a reaction to set off one of the wild magic attacks. Yeah. yeah. And then you're you're stuck with that one until you either take, until you take damage again and change it. Huh. That makes... Uh, makes I it mean, a little better. I mean, I don't like it as a 10th level thing. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it all depends, because, like, so if, like, you're petrified, and you fail your saving throw to become unpetrified, or paralyzed, and you fail your saving throw to become unparalyzed, you can roll on the magic table, and then if, say, you produce your, you infuse one of your weapons that you're holding to change to force damage, it becomes light and thrown, blah, blah, blah. You're still paralyzed. That doesn't solve the paralyzation process, so it's not necessarily helpful. Yeah, but that's just one instance. Like, right. if, if you take Out damage or... No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it, it's just, it's if you take damage or fail saving throw. So you're only like, oh, if that one instance when you'd be turned to stone, it's not going to work. But any other time you take damage or fail saving throw against, like, a fireball, you can set it off. Right. I'm just saying that this one's not always going to be useful, is, is what I was saying. Yeah, but reactions, if you get turned, if anyone got turned to stone, the reaction's not going to be useful. I don't see why you're particularly picking on this one. I'm, I'm not. I'm, right. I'm, I'm trying to gauge where I would put this one on my list. Okay. Based off of usefulness. I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying that it's shitty, it does a little bit to negate the the not useful part of it. I think it essentially gives you a chance to change it if you don't like what you've got. I mean, I'm I'm gonna give it another B. Yeah, but you're not just changing it; it's automatically going off when you like. It's a counterattack, basically. Right. 
I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. I'm like, I think the best use of it is if you roll one that's not useful to you. This is a chance to get a new one for your situation. To hopefully try to get one that fits your situation. If that makes sense. I I mean, I like it for this subclass. I don't overall. I don't like this subclass too much. It's too random. And I mean, you can change it, like you said, every round. If you don't care for the what you have currently active on the wild surge table. I mean, you can use your reaction as long as you're still being hit or failing saving throws. You can continue changing it until you get one that does suit your needs for that particular instance. Yep. Um, and, like, I could see how, like, ultimately, like, if this, if this attack would put you, say, below... Say you had one hit point, you knew no matter how much damage you were going to take, it was probably going to knock you out because you only have one hit point, and you managed to roll the one, then that tentacle comes out, does a d12 necrotic damage, and you gain X amount of, you know, temporary hit points, and that stops you from falling unconscious. I mean, that's best case scenario for that particular circumstance because, like you said, it happens immediately. It is a reaction, you know. It happens before everything else is even resolved. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll give it a B. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, again, it's just the randomization of it that I don't, I don't particularly care for. I think if you put one of yeah. these in a party with a wild surge mage or sorcerer or whatever, the sorcerer is going to be jealous because they're going to be getting negative effects. Uh, yeah, I'll go with B as well. Um, and then f- finally at 14th, you get controlled surge. Whenever you roll on the wild magic table, you can roll the dice twice and choose which of the two effects to unleash. If you roll the same number on both dice, you can ignore the number and choose any effect on the table. I will say that that goes very well with the 10th level thing. Especially yeah. with it being a reaction and happening immediately. Um, I mean, for this particular class, I will say that this is probably the strongest thing on there. I'm still going to give it a B. Yeah, I was going to say the same. I like, it does make it a little more predictable, but not completely. Yeah. Um, I mean, over overall, I'm giving this class probably a B. I, I've given same. pretty much everything here a B. Um, it is not my favorite path for a barbarian, but sure as hell beats Battle Rager. Fuck that dwarf. <laughs> I think that was a missed opportunity there. Yeah. What are you giving this one, uh, Donnie? Uh, Overall. I'm going to say a B. I, oh. I mean, there's the invisible factor here of the randomness that I really just don't like. But, yeah. So... To recap now, now that we have our rankings, starting at the bottom, of all of the paths for the Barbarian class in D&D as of current, 
D, we have Battle Rager. That was our overall most disliked uh, and what we felt was the weakest and uh, least well thought out path. Moving up to C rank, we have the Storm Herald. Again, I give it props on its thematics, not so much on its mechanics. Uh, the only one coming in on B was the Wild Magic that we just covered. For A, we have Path of the Ancestral Guardian, Path of the Beast. Uh, I had that one at S. Well, I took the average. There's two out of three. Fine. Rob had Path of Ancestral Guardian at S. The other two people had B. A. A. That's what I meant. Hey! Hey! Uh, Path of the Beast, Path of the Berserker, and Path of the Zealot all made A's. And the only two that me and Donnie put up in S tier uh, that Rob agreed with, and other, in addition to Rob's Ancestral Guardian S tier, was Path of the Totem Barbarian. Uh, is Is ultimately what we feel... And we could probably agree as being the strongest overall uh, path for for how game changing it is, uh, how enhance how it enhances the base abilities that Rob read off at the beginning that 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 barbarians get. Uh, it fills various roles. If you want to be DPS, it's a solid DPS class. It is the in, in, in mine and several other people's opinions, uh, I, I do not speak for Donnie or Rob, it is the only tanking path choice. If you're going to be a tank barbarian, bear totem barbarian, man, just do it. You won't regret it. Uh, so yeah, those are our barbarian subclass rankings. Your DM will regret it when there's two. Yeah, I already talked about that. I don't know. It's going to suck for the cleric, the wizard, and the druid. That's all I got to say. When you guys start fighting... This one could have been split into two episodes. Yeah, probably. I mean, Those are going to be three. <laughs> some of the other ones, yeah. Because we're, ep- we're at two and a half hours now. This is definitely a longer oh, episode. Jesus. Uh, so with that being said, Donnie, where can people find you on the internet? And do not say my name this time. All right, I promise not to stay webby. No, do not. You can say find me name. at Jack's no. Forest Walker. All one word. Why don't you give Devin's out when he's not <laughs> That's here? That's not your name. Why don't you give? I didn't Devin's give him your name. Twitter out. Whatever. I don't know. Rob, what? where can people find you on the internet? We need a science corner with Rob. You can find me at dbroner twenty one. <laughs> at what? Boom. On Discord. At AOL. At AOL.com. At (laughs) AOL.com. If you find me on there, I will be shocked and impressed. (laughs) Find me on there. What we got for a science corner? We're getting real with Rob. Oh. Um. I don't remember what I read. That's what happens when you don't get much sleep and you don't feel good, Rob. Listen, I got my COVID shot. It's not my fault. I did read an article I was going to share, but now I totally I don't remember what the hell it was. Mm. You'll be all right. 
You need to sleep. No. He sounds like a grumpy toddler. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. All right. I'm sorry. I don't have a science corner. We will today. do two science corners next week. Okay. I'll try to remember what it was I wanted to talk Somebody, about. Right. One of our NPC needs needs to play a pissed off zombie. Okay. Well, you had your opportunity to make fucking whatever the fuck the blacksmith apprentice guy a barbarian if you wanted to, but you made him a cleric. Anyway, uh, as always, everybody, you guys can follow me on Twitter at JaxForceWalker, all one word, on Twitch at DMWebby. Did you even do your Twitch, Rob? You, like, did your I, Twitter at Donnie, but I, no. Where can yeah. people really find you? You can find me on Twitter at Confessor underscore X <laughs> and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Confessor X. We're falling apart, everyone, just so you know. <laughs> So again, you I'm can, not, I went to sleep. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Jack's Force Walker, all in word on Twitch at DM Webby, on eBay at Looking for Devin, and on AOL at Found Donnie uh, at AOL.com. On uh, AOL at How Can Get it, And until next week, everybody, thank you for listening. We love you, and fuck Booster Gold. Da da da. Da da da. I'm sure it sounds great when I try to, you know, musically impose myself over the music that's playing. Because I'm never, I'd always do it a second earlier. Anyway, we love you, everybody. And I'm very proud of my rhinoceros.